Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a movie review podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to films. And in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so today, Kyle had control of the programming decisions. And uh, <laughs> Kyle, what did you have me watch this week? Oh, Trevor. I had Trevor watch uh, The Man in the Iron Mask from 1998, uh, directed by Randall Wallace. Uh, you're familiar with uh, some of his work. Uh, he wrote, we, I think he directed We Were Soldiers, but he wrote We Were Soldiers, uh, Pearl Harbor, Braveheart, and he wrote and directed this. He also has a Civil War film that came out either last year or the year before. Yeah, uh, as you had texted me earlier in the week, uh, the man has a has a, a love boner. Yes, a love for, boner. He, he has a boner for war. Uh, this man has a thing about war. Um, he also appears to be a man of faith, uh, based oh, on some okay. of his other pro- his other uh, writing credits. Um, but yeah, I, I think both We Were Soldiers and The Man in the Iron Mask, he both wrote and directed yeah. and maybe produced. We Were Soldiers was great, by the way. We Were Soldiers was pretty good. Uh, that that fucking Irish hymn really pissed me off. Yeah, there's moments. It it plays a couple. It plays like three times in that movie, and it it kind of like grinds things to a halt. Um. We Were Soldiers has an interesting place in film history, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because, I mean, it's brutally violent. It's brutal. It seems to be a common thread among a lot of this guy's films. Yeah. Uh, then again, he seems to collaborate with Mel Gibson a lot, and I think that's a prerequisite. Like, if we're going to do this movie, it's going to be gory, right? It worked out, though. Right, mate? Both... <laughs> right, mate? <laughs> it's going to be gory, right? His skin's going to slide off his leg, right? Yeah, um, but one reason why like We Were Soldiers, to me, is like, it, it justifies its existence because mm-hmm. I mean like in my in my eyes like any any movie that treads familiar ground needs to justify its existence whether it be in the form of like an action set piece or like a character beat it needs to add something that we haven't seen before mm-hmm. and we were soldiers holds the distinction in my mind of being one of the few movies that has has the NVA as opposed to the Viet Cong as the antagonist mm-hmm. um, and it also takes place very like at the very beginning of the american insertion into that conflict which which is kind of rare in film history uh so yeah i don't don't think it's an amazing film but it justifies its existence and you know it's it's fairly well executed except for that fucking irish hymn (laughs) i mean he does uh contrary to contemporary war movies he does a good job of not glamorizing or like trying to make war look awesome like there's it's a very dark view of what war actually is yeah it's brutal and it doesn't glamorize it too much except for sam elliott with his cult 45 i I mean (laughs) i like that character and i like mel gibson oh sam elliott's the best part of that movie along with the fucking weatherman greg greg kinnear is also i forgot greg kinnear yeah <laughs> I think uh, I think uh, the two of them collaborate again in a God is for real like dec- like a decade later but so they must have became buddies on the set or something but yeah Greg Kinnear's pretty good in that as the helicopter pilot I forgot that he's in that oh yeah 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 because he threatens to shoot the dude uh, yeah he, he's getting yelled at I remember and, now. and his role is really is it's good it's important it's it's a good it yeah, and in him trafficking bodies back and forth it's it's pretty brutal awful stuff and it's it's well done yeah so the point we're trying to make here i guess is that this randall wallace fella is competent yes like he he doesn't generally make garbage <laughs> i mean this is not that great um, so i had trevor watch this um 
because I want, I'm, we're going to be covering a better movie, in my opinion, next week uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. But this is one that I've been meaning to go back and watch. We did an episode on Three Musketeers, and this is a movie that includes the Three Musketeers. This is loosely based off of, from what I read of the Roger Ebert uh, reviews, this is loosely based off of uh, Alexander Dumas's dumbasses uh, 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 book. So it's not it's not a literal adaptation. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't think either of us are familiar no. with the original text. Um, apparently, there were several novels written about these characters, yeah. the Three Musketeers, plus D'Artagnan. Yeah. Um, and this story, I guess, is is based around like their twilight years, yeah. like towards the end of the story of the Three Musketeers, if not the final story. I think they're 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 set f- like they're well into retirement at this point. Yeah. Um, um, none of them are active musketeers except for D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan, yeah, he, he he's a company man. He made it up, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but how many years separate the the Disney and the uh, the man, the Iron Mask? <laughs> At least five. I think '93 yeah. was three musketeers, right. which actually had swashbuckling. This has almost no swashbuckling. Yeah, I'm, I mean, this is a weird thing to bring up on the spot without any prep, but like, I'm trying to picture where we where we were at. In terms of like cinematic trends, because like the Mask of Zorro was around this time, which is great. Um, I don't know which came out first, but Mask of Zorro does everything this movie does way better. I think it might. <laughs> I think Mask of Zorro might have been '97. Like it was right there. It was pretty close. Yeah, and Dragonheart was earlier. That was several years earlier, I think. 1998, same year. Same year. Same year. Damn. 1998 was Mask uh, of Zorro. Because I'm. I don't know what it is about this movie, but I get a really big Dragonheart vibe from it. <laughs> I get what you it's, mean. It's much more mature than Dragonheart. Dragonheart's for kids. Yeah. I it, ha- it holds a special place in my heart. I know you're not a big fan. I've seen it one time. That was when it came out, like when I was a kid. Okay. On VHS. Uh, <laughs> that's the right way to see yeah, it. Right? <laughs> it's like, no, no chapter skip here. Yeah. You gotta rewind that shit. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I got a little bit of a Dragonheart vibe, a lot of it having to do with the Ainan character and how there's some parallels between him and, and uh, King Louis. The, like, just, you know, pompous little shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, say what you will about this movie. I think Leo does a good job of playing these two characters. I think he does, too. I, 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 I do not think he phoned it in. I think he did his best and... It's funny because like this movie's pretty dull as dirt in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the subplots, the subplots are what drag this thing down. Yeah, there are subplots piled upon subplots. Almost none of them mean much of anything. There's a lot of themes going on. I want to say right now, if you're ever out there, if you're gonna make a Three Musketeers movie, more Porthos. Porthos is a fucking awesome character. More Porthos. There's a three minute stretch of this movie that I immediately typed in my notes. Best best sequence in the whole movie Ooh. that involves Porthos. It's Porthos. It yeah. It it strictly involves Porthos and Aramis. By the way, uh, Jeremy Irons is he is a delight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you can point to some of the folks in this movie for maybe not putting on their best like putting their best foot forward, but holy shit, Jeremy Irons showed up. Yeah, I like, think Gerard Depardieu does too. Yeah, I think that... he, he he definitely does. But to me, Jeremy Irons is is kind of the spark that that keeps everything alive throughout this whole movie. I can't take Gabriel Byrne seriously with this fucking hair. I, I it's so <laughs> it is the worst hairdo for that man to have, and his little dumb goat, his little mustache. Yeah, and his, chin his hair. little mustache. There's fabulous wigs all over the place in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo gets the special. He gets the special treatment for oh. sure. 
uh, hair extensions up the ass. But uh, yeah, Gabriel Burns like it's like it's like a comb over wig. It's strange. <laughs> it looks it's bad because you're you're putting a wig on a man. It's a prop that you're spending a lot of money on. Yeah, and you can fashion it any way you want. And you chose that. You chose this way. So Gabriel Byrne was probably like in the green room or like backstage getting getting dressed up for all these shoots, and he's like, "You seriously just want me to look like an asshole? <laughs> like, like what? 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 Uh, I'm D'Artagnan. I'm supposed to be like the cool one." D'Artagnan. <laughs> uh, so the point of the story is. Um, yeah, give us our our plot so, summary. Kyle. So from what I'm read, there was actually a prisoner around this time that was the man in the iron mask, and the, his identity was never revealed. So there was a theory that it was the the king's twin brother. That was kind of what they went off of. Um, and the king, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is kind of a shit heel, and Jeremy Irons is like, we're gonna switch these two dudes out because I know they're twins. Spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it was in it was in the trailer. Yeah, we know. Like, we're gonna switch these two guys out. It takes them an hour and what twenty minutes to actually do the switch, and then it's reversed almost immediately. Immediately, and then we switch back. Like that's that's the whole film. That you, Kyle Kyle just gave us every bullet point in the movie. <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, and D'Artagnan dies, obviously. Oh, didn't see that coming. <laughs> by, by the hand, by the, well, I won't spoil that of uh, who who the uh, kings are, who who's actually related to the king here. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, so Leo did Romeo plus Juliet, Romeo and Juliet, yeah. and then Titanic. So he was already a big deal at Romeo and Juliet. Huge fucking deal uh, all around because Titanic was just fucking... Mm-hmm. It, it was a massive achievement. It was a juggernaut. It was a juggernaut. So this is the movie after Titanic. Uh, this is immediately after. Yeah, so I'm sure the casting director, Randall Wallace, they're all like, fucking yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like, we have a way to pitch this fucking movie that nobody wants. <laughs> I didn't I didn't look at the budget or, the, uh, or what it made. I'm sure it did well. I'm sure it did well, but I'm curious about that budget because it does not look great at times. I, would, I didn't even check the filming location. I feel like some of this has to be filmed in France. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and also, it seemed like a lot of the uh, extras and whatnot actually were French. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that was one thing I remember you telling me before I watched this. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, uh, the show is called Catching Up on Cinema. This was the first time I saw this movie. Um, I remember you pointing out that the the accents in this yes. movie are maddening because people are from every place in the world yeah. in this movie. <laughs> so real quick. There's uh, no consistency. The, the budget was about $35 million. Opening weekend did seventeen. Uh, it ended up altogether worldwide 182000 So it, it made its money back. It definitely made money. $182 million. $182 million. Sorry. $182,000. <laughs> I was like, goal. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Fuck. No, no it, they knew, he knew what he was doing getting Leo to play this part. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the, what the order of events was, but... I'm sure when when Titanic started rolling, like everybody was just like fucking yes. Yes. <laughs> like, and like I said, this movie doesn't look the best at times. I was actually kind of shocked by that. Yeah. Uh, because parts of it look extraordinary, and then parts of it look just like ooh, wow, yeah. we didn't have any money or something. Yeah, some of it looks kind of bad. Yeah, some of it looks straight up raggedy. Um, makes it makes that Three Musketeers the yeah. the Disney one look that much better <laughs> i mean i think even it, the fucking dungeon i haven't seen all adaptations of three musketeers these are the only two are these the only two okay then i think that the disney one wins by far uh, not to be racist or nothing but french heroes not really not no. really my thing <laughs> but yeah, so 
<laughs> so you have Jeremy Irons, who's an English actor. He's just doing an English accent. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he's still doing Scar. Gerard, Gerard Depardieu is French, and he has a French accent. Oh, yeah, he can't help it. Yeah, he's speaking English, <laughs> but he has a French accent. John Malkovich... Red, white, and blue from Illinois is doing his John Malkovich voice. Yeah, he enunciates very clearly. Very clearly, and then Gabe Byrne, Irish, and he's doing he's doing an American accent in this. Yeah, it, he he flattens that Irish accent out just, quite a bit. Yeah, it, it's just an American accent, and then Leo, a, American as fuck, like it's off-putting. It, it's really confusing because like almost every woman in this movie is it's French. French. Uh-huh. Like yeah. like French French. Every single one. Yeah. yeah. Like literally every woman in this movie is French. His mom. Whew. Yeah, she's quite nice. She is, and uh, yeah. Leo's mistress. Poof. Yeah. Yeah. Poof, poof, poof. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, all the ladies are French. Gerard Depardieu is French, and everybody else is from wherever the fuck. <laughs> and so like there's a, just the tonal inconsistency between all the different accents is very strange. Uh, so yeah, there's, uh, like a voiceover at the beginning telling who the man in the iron mask is, kinda. Uh, there's some... Six, four, three, eight, nine thousand. Nice, hero of death. <laughs> the man in the iron mask. The man in the iron mask. So yeah, like we said, Leo's kind of a shitty ruler, so his people are rioting, and that's one of the things we see in the beginning is Gabe, uh, I'm gonna keep calling him Gabe, because I don't want to say Gabriel every time I talk about him. Um, Gabe, Gabe Byrne. Oh, so Gabriel, uh, Gabe Byrne is playing D'Artagnan, Jeremy Irons, Aramis, the religious one, that's kind of the best way to remember them. Uh, Porthos is Gerard Depardieu, who's the take nothing seriously coxman. Yes. And then John Malkovich is the fucking wet blanket who has a crush on his son in this movie. That was, that's why I was going to ask you if you'd seen it yet, because I'm like, dude, we've got a dad crushing on a son movie. Oh, yeah, there's a line. I wrote it down in my notes. I have um, it down, too. I already know what it is. Go J- ahead. John Malkovich should not be allowed to smell children's hair. Thank you. It's the, it's, it, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to watch this is that fucking line. I'm like... Who the fuck wrote that? Like, yeah. was that Alexander Dumas putting in the book? I don't think so. It may have been. Oh my goodness! I mean, the, like, like when Gabe Byrne greets John Malkovich, they do like traditional European cheek kisses as a greeting. You know, like yeah. we're we're trying to do a more European, like more like. I don't know. We're trying to medieval era shit. I don't know. They it, kiss it, each other, right? Yeah, just having that does sound like like a period issue where like you know saying something like that, like I miss smelling my son's hair. He says <laughs> he sleeps. Kiss his hair and smell his breath as he sleeps. I'm like, that's the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard. It's a little weird, especially coming from him. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Kyle, I don't know if you noticed this. Fucking brilliant casting. John mm. Malkovich and is it Stellan Skarsgård? Oh my god, I ha- I'm going to put it They're right... They're like imitating each it's other. It's <laughs> incredible. I have it in my notes, like right underneath there. I'm like, this is brilliant... Uh, i got to find it in here. God damn it. I'm like, this is brilliant casting. So I'm like, Peter... Yeah, right there. Brilliant, brilliant casting. casting of Peter Sarsgaard as Malkovich's son. I hope he dies in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's got, the other thing. You got your wish. Yeah, I, I know. I know he's gonna die, but as soon as he's on, there, I'm like, oh god, I just want him out of here. No, the the reason why it's brilliant casting for folks that don't know what these two men sound like. Oh yeah, they have the same fucking speech pattern. The same speech pattern, and they even resi- they both have like a flared nostrils. They have a similar like resemblance yeah, from the mouth down too. They look very similar. They they seem like father and son, and they both have that like creepy way of speaking. It's very off putting, even when they're not trying to be off putting. I think the casting all around was really good. Because it is. If you think, it is. If you think about where Leo was, I mean, he's a well-known Lothario uh, 
I mean, to, this this, to this day. Um, but he was well known to be like, you know, he's out there getting it. And <laughs> getting it I feel like jumping into this character, Louis, like it wasn't difficult for him. Like he, the, the scene with Christine, when he's actually trying to court Christine, I'm like, he's done this before. Like he's just, he has the air of somebody who knows that people want to fuck him and he's going to <laughs> use that. Like, don't you want to fuck me? I know you do. Like I'm, I'm giving, I'm offering it up right now. And I'm like, I feel like he's done that in real life. Uh, I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. I mean, I'm like... Not, I'm not saying he was a shitty person, but he was also, like, in his early 20s and a heartthrob. Like, the biggest heartthrob. I know this is low-hanging fruit, but I'm the king of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he kind of was. He was. <laughs> so I'm like, the character is that. Like, the character is a dude, like, he just, he doesn't have to ask for anything. He just, like, snaps his fingers and... It's yeah, th- there's a few lines uh, delivered by John Malkovich later in the film that kind of lay it out as mm-hmm. to what this character's like self perception is. Like they, ca- he cares of nothing but himself. Yeah, <laughs> um, and if he's horny, he's he's uh, got to get something. Done. Does he have trouble filling his bed? <laughs> uh, I did notice something about Porthos is that when he's on screen, there's poop or farts. Like, there's several times where it's just poop or fart. Oh, almost. Or he mentions it. Like, almost without fail. Like, almost every time he's on screen, there's a poop sound, a fart sound, some some bodily fluid of some sort. I hate that kind of humor, but it works in the beginning. The very first one when he's talking with Aramis, he's like, he's... Porthos has brought all these ladies, wenches, in for, uh... I guess a tag team of some kind. I mean, it was a different time. With retiree friends. I mean, think they're basically retired rock stars. Yeah, like, basically. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was that easy. But <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's upset with Aramis because Aramis is praying, and so he he's like he farts in front of him, and it's like it's pretty funny because Aramis is in the middle of praying, and like that was kind of a dick the, move. The timing's pretty good. The timing's good, and, but yeah. And I, actually, that's a detail that I, again haven't read the the source text that these are stories are based on but i actually wouldn't be surprised if that was in the text i think portho like what i've seen from oliver platt playing porthos and gerard depardieu he's just a fucking like unless they i think gerard depardieu is porthos i think like he he's resurrected he's just like the physical embodiment yeah. of a fictional character he's, he's a, just he's a slovenly overweight frenchman that Drunk, drunk Lothario, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much, yeah. That's what I would assume he was like in real life. He, he is... Drunk part, at least. He is id man. He, <laughs> he functions purely based on just raw instinct. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been here. Athos wants to bang his son. Like, the, the chemistry between those two, between Malkovich and Sarsgaard, is just like, it's... Malkovich is crushing hard on his son. Like he, you are a mirror image of me. I adore you. I adore you. <laughs> I think it's that's weird. from Deadly Liaisons. Jesus, I'll never forget that. It's just it's him like with a powdered wig and like, oh my god, in like Vienna or something. And he's I adore you. I need, I need, to, I need to watch that. Is that Uma Uma Thurman's in that? Uh, I think Glenn Close is like the scene stealer in it, but I can't remember who the other lady in it is. I think he has a sex scene with Uma Thurman in that. Well. Wouldn't be more or less. Um, He's yet, supposed to be a Lothario. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, uh, when he says that line, the lady reciprocates. She's oh like, oh, I'm into that. Oh, John yeah, Malkovich in a powdered wig. She gets the vapors. His panties is dropped. <laughs> so the... Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so there's multiple subplot. There's like... Subplot, subplot, subplot. So, yeah. Louis is a bad king. The the town people are trying are like rioting because he's not giving them good food. 
Um, Gabriel Byrne has some kind of past with the Queen Mother, uh, Leo's mom. Uh, there's a war with the Jesuits going on, which I have no idea what that's about. I went to a Jesuit college, so every like anytime someone bring up it was a Jesuit school, I'm like fucking Jesuits, <laughs> fucking they're trying to kill the king. Um, that's a subplot, and then we cut back to occasionally the man in the iron mask in in very occasionally, yeah, quite a few times. Uh, yeah, actually the the amount of FaceTime we're given with all the respective characters is very lopsided like mm-hmm. it, it's kind of all over the place to be honest because like aramis and porthos just disappear yeah. for like 40 minutes they're yeah. just gone the two best elements in the whole movie are just gone yeah for quite a while then same with the iron man the iron mask he's just forgotten about it. he's the first fucking thing we see in the movie and then we don't see him again for quite a while and then the the worst the one who gets the biggest shit into the stick though is gabe gabe Byrne. yeah he just disappears for an hour a long time for like the second half of the movie he just takes a hike and he doesn't show up until until the climax basically um, um so yeah like this the screen time is not evenly distributed it's kind of all over the fucking place yeah so peter sarsgaard and apparently the queen mom just lives in the chapel she just yeah she just she's always praying well she, she fucked she, up she's pooping in the confessional because she never leaves she never place. she fucked up you know she needs to be in the she, church yeah she got a lot to confess she, for, a lot she to is confess. hanging out there day and night yeah <laughs> she needs to confess uh, <laughs> so you have the, uh, i don't all... think she ever does though no aramis does right quick but she doesn't uh, yeah, Aramis actually, like, very, well, just very calmly, just like, yeah, I fucked you over, dude. Yeah, Sorry. I really fucked you over. Really Sorry. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I didn't, he's like, and one day I'll ask for your forgiveness. I'm like, you're not going to do it today? Like, why wouldn't you do it today? And he's probably looking at his watch and he's just like, I got a kingdom to overthrow. <laughs> so, I mean, Porthos is basically just, you know, banging maids and drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, John Malkovich, he's got a you know steady girlfriend and his son. He's done a lot of good rearing him. And uh, Aramis is just doing whatever Aramis does. He just prays. Uh, but the it all it all it all crumbles basically when John Malkovich's son is gonna propose to this girl Christine, who Leonardo DiCaprio, who by the way makes a gay jab at his assistant. Yes, I caught that. But it didn't seem like it was that bad of a jab. Like in context, it was just like you. He's, he asks about. Uh, I think it was just an accurate. I think it was yeah, an accurate. Jab. I think yeah. I, I think it was like I don't know how the French don't. I don't know how homosexuality in Europe at this time was perceived. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But it seemed like it was like. Oh, we know you're gay, dude. I, I think that, I, based on the crowd reaction, I yeah. think he, that guy is just gay. And, <laughs> and he's, and just, the, he's just, like, poking him. And yeah, <laughs> and the guy was just kind of like, oh, rolls his eyes, like, oh, guys. Yeah, no, it. I mean, yeah. it's not, they don't make a big thing of it. I think it's just like, oh, yeah, you're my gay attendant. <laughs> like, I, I, I was so thinking, I'm going to poke you. <laughs> I was thinking back, I'm like, oh, that was mean. And I was watching, I'm like, that wasn't that mean. I think no. that was pretty, yeah. No, I um, think he was just being catty. He's just being a little catty. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, so the... <laughs> The king has eyes for Christine because she is quite a looker in French. Um, She's very French. So he, the king basically hatches a scheme to get rid of uh, Peter Sarsgaard. I want to say Stellan. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it's a different, It's that's a Scar, Skarsgård? There's a K in Sarsgaard. there. Sarsgaard. This is a Sarsgaard. The other one's a Skarsgaard. There's a Scar. Yeah. They got a K in there. <laughs> uh, so there's some kind of war, like an actual war going on. Not against the Jesuits. Yeah, but... we're... <sighs> 
1662. Unfortunately, my my knowledge of European French history, hist- yeah, yeah, my my French history is not the best. <laughs> way over my I know, head. I know the French one of the French revolutions occurred in 1789, but uh, that's only because of that uh, start the revolution without me movie. Uh, there's a lot of repetition of that date. It's a running gag. Uh, but 1662, I have no fucking clue what we're up to. I've I've had that on my list for a while. I want to watch because I like Gene Wilder. Been... Donald Pleasant's good. Uh, no, uh, Don Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I was like, that would be a very different movie if Donald Pleasance was in there. Dude, King Louis should hang out with fucking Seagal because his he is self delusional. Like he is. He was his secret advisor. Seriously, he was probably calling Seagal like like Leo DiCaprio was probably calling Seagal like every night to be like going over the script with him. He's like. Yeah, you need to like, you need to believe in yourself. <laughs> I mean, you can take every one of these guys. You can do anything and everything to anybody you want to at any time, as long as you're in fucking Bulgaria, <laughs> <laughs> not in fucking USA. That place sucks. <laughs> I mean, at, th- at this point in his career, he's probably gearing up to do like exit wounds or something. <laughs> Somebody said something about litigation. I fucking left. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, like I said, Leo's good. Uh, I think he's good in this movie. Uh, there's a few, he has a few exchanges that I'm like, eh, whatever. But he's really good. He's playing two roles, and I think that's hard to do because I've seen it done before. I don't think I've seen it done really well. But they, he, they are two completely different characters, and they look the exact same. Uh Jeremy Irons, funny enough, he's in this movie. Oh, Dead, Dead, Ringers. Uh, Dead Ringers. Yeah, he was excellent. I haven't seen that. As again, dual roles. Uh, the technology was not as good as we have here. It's uh, really good here. They they they're have one. They're only on screen together like once, but it's a I was, do, it's a it's a doozy. I was paying attention to it. I'm like, his eyes are exactly where they need to be. It's it was it was something that they definitely did because they wanted to. Like mm. it, what we're talking about here is a is a sequence wherein we have the same actor playing two roles and one of said rolls walks around the other one like yeah. 360 and that's you know that's a party trick that's that's something you only do if you're trying to show off a little bit mm-hmm. and they do it very well very well um but yeah I, I thought he was very convincing uh as both roles because philippe definitely has a different body language about him uh, he's helped out a little bit by some like gaunt makeup that they put on his eyes and yeah. his cheeks it helps a lot yeah but yeah just his his meekness comes across it seems genuine and Louis is just a shit heel. He's a shit heel. He only gets to yell like once, unfortunately. Oh, his th- th- that is one of my favorite parts of this movie is when he yells in heaven. <laughs> no, no, it's like where did I tell you love it? Like he's oh, screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he yells twice. His then. voice cracks and it is. I adorable. was talking about when he's in bed with Christine. Oh, that's a good. He has some good lines in here too. He's I don't think that was fun to to film because he shouts in that poor girl's ear. <laughs> And they Not probably did multiple takes, and that poor girl was just like, "Fuck you, Leo! Yeah, so Call." They have a piss off, piss off. So the king is like, "I'm going to bang Christina." Like he's like, "That's my whole life. That's all I'm doing. I'm focusing on this. I will do whatever it takes." Uh, he's his plan is to get her alone, and this they he puts a like a jewel on this little pig, and like yeah. it's I guess it was like a fun thing, like oh you guys have to try to catch the pig. I'm like, this is a period, like this is a costume drama more than it is swashbuckling so everybody's wearing the garments of the time i'm like there's no way they're gonna catch this yeah, pig in th- this clothes this is a movie for my mom rather yeah. than me <laughs> I, I mean i don't even think your mom would enjoy it as much no she i i remember walking in on her watching this movie 
And I saw a couple moments of it, and I was like, yeah, I don't need those. <laughs> Leo, Leo gets, uh, right. I had to watch Weathering Heights. You can go oh, yeah, fuck you yourself. That up a few oh, times. my God, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't care if you like it out there. It's <laughs> awful. It's a terrible story. It's a stupid, stupid movie. Timothy Dalton, I do believe. Ooh. Um, did I'll, you notice? I'll show up for that. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the, oh. I beg of you, don't watch it. Oh, I'll just watch Flash Gordon instead. Uh, that's better. <laughs> Watch, watch anything from Hong Kong with guns. Anything, there you go. Anything. <laughs> then watch that. You need movie. to wash this costume drama out of my system. Let's it's put on so some fucking hard boiled. Bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, but yeah. So uh, we're having a party at the palace. We're having a party at the palace. Uh, looks like some day drinking going on. It's oh nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of day drinking. Lost, a lot of day drinking. By here. the way, did you catch Leo's first words in this movie? What were they? No, no. Do not underestimate the, the Dutch. Yes. I was like, that's how you're going to introduce the villain of your fucking movie? They're showing off his arrogance and like he's a no like he's a know-it-all like well, Yeah, he's surrounded by attendants. They're dressing him so he has he's doing his tea pose. Hugh Laurie by the way. Yes. Hugh Laurie for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, oh. He's <laughs> he's not in it long. There's there's some legit funny some legit funny scenes in here. Yeah, that when, is when one he of is them. dismissed from oh the film, my God, that was great. pretty fucking I laughed funny. out loud. I forgot how funny that was. The timing on that was pretty great. Yeah. Um yeah, Leo's being dressed, yeah. uh, which requires the help of, like, 20 fucking people. Of course. Um, and he's got his arms out. But they also have, like, a map spread out on a table, and they're talking, like, battle strategy. Yeah. Because we're fighting a war while he's getting ready to party. Excellent choice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he just kind of leans down, and he, like, points at the map, and he says, No, no, do not underestimate the Dutch. And the I was Dutch. like, man, that's not a good way to introduce a character. I mean, it. the moment is good, but the words are not good. It, yeah. If that makes sense. Because I, I do like the setup where we get to show him being like pompous and arrogant and being like the fucking heavenly king. Yeah. He, you know, he's got he's surrounded by people taking care of him. Got yes he's, men in wigs. He's talking about war while he's getting ready to go fucking get boozed in, in the fucking palace grounds. <laughs> like, Making homophobic comments to his fucking yeah, assistants. Yeah, very casual homophobic comments. Uh, so, so, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it's a weird moment. It, on paper, I'm sure it looked amazing. Just find something else for him to do. Yeah. Like have, oh, uh, what? I can't remember the movie. But basically it's somebody grooming him and he like snaps at him. Oh, it's the it's a Joker in a Batman 89. It's like, oh, you look great, Jack. I, I didn't, didn't ask. ask. Yeah. That tells, you, that tells you a lot about that guy right away. And he also, like her hand's on his shoulder and he's just like, get that fucking thing off yeah, me. He's like, you get that paw off me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they do a good job of making him seem not like a good guy immediately but mm. so he's got a lot of enemies and uh did you notice did you notice this so um there's about to be an assassination attempt on him while he's trying to well, i want to talk about the the uh the fountain first oh, okay uh, <laughs> uh, he has a matt lauer fountain oh yeah yeah <laughs> i forgot about that yeah so he sends this pig out into the ground yeah um and everybody matt lauer fountain <laughs> i'm sorry but that's what that's 100 percent what it is yeah um so like he sends this pig out into the grounds and we're doing a pig chase mm. and d'artagnan's there because he's the captain the guard he's he's the head musketeer and he's kind of pissed at leo because he's like motherfucker you didn't tell me about no pig chase yeah <laughs> and leo's like it's okay it's just a pig chase look at these people yeah. they, like 
they're never going to catch it. They're yeah, going to be they're... out there for two hours yeah, trying to look, catch it. Look, thing. I mean, these ladies got to hike their dresses up to their necks. They can buy yeah. a new house with that fucking thing. They're going to be gone for a while. Yeah. So, like, all these people in their fucking Sunday best are yeah. chasing this pig on the palace grounds. And meanwhile, Leo's like, uh huh, I'm just going to go tweak this fountain. And he boxes Christine in with a fountain. Yeah. Because <laughs> it has, like, manual, like, wheel controls. And he, like, turns on the fountain while she's standing in the center of it. You, you know, now that I think about it, I'm like, he's not that bad of a guy because he's courting her creepily but he's still courting her as opposed to how he could basically just be like okay you guys take her go strip off her clothes and i'll be there in about 15 minutes that's basically what he can do as king it doesn't matter yeah he doesn't have to ask yeah and by the way so so he's getting ready to party he's drawing up battle plans uh he's doing a pig chase and also in between all this he he has aramis there he has Jeremy Irons on the palace grounds. Yes, he does. I forgot about that. And he calls, he pulls him aside, and he's like, hey, so I got a problem with these Jesuits. Yeah, these Jesuits. I know you're retired, and you're a priest. Yeah. But can you go assassinate this Jesuit leader for me? Do I'm, me a solid. I mean, Je- Jesuits, is a, it's a sect of Catholicism, and if he's a Catholic priest, I'm like, uh, how is he supposed to I mean, to Jeremy have Irons could have just, like, tapped his, his yeah. crucifix and just be like, hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> You see this? <laughs> I'm a man of God. Yeah, he, he he does cross himself several times in the movie. But the point is, this is a retired fucking guy who's now so, a priest. And he's asking him to assassinate the Jesuit leader. We are setting up two subplots at the same time. Yeah, we're doing a lot of things. Does he talk to Gabriel Byrne at this point? Uh, on the palace grounds. He's just about the pig chase. Nothing yeah. special. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, oh, I think he talks about the riot. He's like, there were people rioting. He's like, why would they riot? I'm the greatest king. Paris <laughs> is a great place to live. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so they're chasing he Matt Lowers, uh, Christine, and then there's an assassination attempt. Yeah, Did we, you notice who the assassin was? He was one of the waiters. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that. I'm like, oh, that was the guy with the hors d'oeuvres. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, he tries to kill Leo. Gabriel Byrne steps out of the shadows. He's like his his shadow, basically. Just he's always there. Uh, well, Leo he's, gets he's the captain of the guard. He's doing his job. But the guy, like, tries to kill him, and he's like, feed your people, and Leo gets the kill shot on him. Okay, so there's a couple details here that, not to bog us down in details, which I tend to do, but, uh, Gabriel Byrne doesn't just, like, step out of the shadows, my friend. He's watching him? He's standing behind a fountain. The pig comes to him, so if if I was him, I'd just pocket that jewel on his head, you know? It's like, I caught it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he does catch it, that's right. It's like, it came to me. I mean, it's just, fair is fair. But he's standing behind this big, elaborate fountain. And by the way, Leo and Christine are at the chapel where the Queen Mom apparently lives. Because yeah. every time we see her, she's hanging out there for some reason. But Gabe sees this assassination attempt. The guy runs at Leo with a knife over his head. And Gabe throws his fucking rapier through the fountain. Oh, yeah, you're and it's right. really shitty CGI. Are you guys ready? It's going to be a swashbuckler. We're getting you started for it. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> False start. False start. Big time, because this is like the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. We don't get back to that for another hour, hour. and a half. Yeah, hour and a half. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really bad CGI, and this is like pre-3D movie boom. Right. So it's, it, it's like a shot that was intended for 3D, because it comes through the fountain right into our whew, faces. Whew, whew. But it looks like fucking garbage. I'm going to say this is impossible. I don't think you can throw a sword like this to hit somebody. A knife, if you're practiced at it, yeah. It would be John Wick 3, where we're just throwing objects at people and they bounce off of them oh i would like that imagine john wick in like in the fourth movie but he has like fucking joker level knives hidden on his person and he's just boom 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 
like shanking and fucking and disemboweling, just doing all this. Shit. Ooh, I gotta. We gotta hit up somebody on Twitter about well, this. You, so you're talking. You haven't seen Desperado, have no, you? Who's the director? Who's Robert the director? Rodriguez. Of, no, 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 no. Of the John Wick movies. Uh, Chad Stileski. Can you hit him up on Twitter and tell him? He's like, just say John Wick Four, knives, not guns. <laughs> and just let's see what well, he does. Well, Kyle, uh, have you seen Desperado? I have not seen Desperado. Okay. Uh, does he play the guitar in the beginning, or is that Once Upon a Time in Mexico? No, he plays the guitar in the beginning. I've seen the beginning, then. Uh, Canción del Mariachi. It's a mm. beautiful song. D'Antonio, correct? <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Antonio. Oh, I love that movie. That's uh, good times. But um, Danny Trejo in Desperado oh. is covered the in... The knife guy? And they all have little crucifixes on the ends. Oh, of course. <laughs> on the hilts. But yeah, that he literally does that. There's a scene where he hops on top of a limousine, and through the, the, the uh, sunroof, it's just like... Throwing knives down in there. I still think I'd be bitching. Nah, it, I mean... Kinanu doing that? Fucking Danny Trejo's ancient, but bring him back. Like, we need to get every action star in the John Wick movies, so I why agree. not? Yeah, <laughs> we agree. need to get Danny Glover in a wheelchair or some shit. They, they got your boy from uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think, or Double Dragon. What's his name? Ernie Reyes Jr.? Is it Ernie Reyes? Or, no, Mark DeCosta. Mark DeCosta. You're talking about Mark yeah. DeCosta. Yeah, John they got, 3. Oh, yeah, we need to get Ernie Reyes Jr. in there. We need a Kino. I loved his thread in John Wick 3. <laughs> Yeah, and we need uh, we need Scott Atkins. He might be too. He might be. Make Scott Atkins great again. <laughs> well, he's also too. He's too small. Like like him standing opposite Keanu would look embarrassing. <laughs> you think Donnie Yen will make an appearance in John Wick? If they're smart, they'll try. Really? Because he's in. If um, if they're smart, they'll try. Or think... actually, Wu Jing, Wu Jing, the mm-hmm. Wolf Warrior guy, the guy with the the guy in white, mm-hmm. the the Backstreet Boy from SPL. Oh, okay. He's the biggest star in China right now. Interesting. So if you if you ask, maybe he'll show up. Uh, if he's a friendly guy, because he has to get along with His Keanu. agent will probably be like, he has to win. And it's like, but Keanu's the star. No, he has to win. Did you see Keanu as a girlfriend? I did. She better treat him right, that's all I'm saying. She looks lovely. She looks. She seems like a nice person. Yeah, yeah. she has a nice smile. Yeah. Um, but back to the movie. Yeah, he, he throws this fucking rapier <laughs> through a fountain. <laughs> Shitty CGI. But then the other detail I wanted to point out, he, he does actually spear him with it he, he gets him something nasty um the other detail i want to point out that is pretty fucking cool is uh the guy says you feed your people yeah and leo just jumps on this guy and sh- 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 shanks the fuck out yeah of him. he gets him like no hesitation i was like that that's a character beat i needed yeah like, that shows him to be he's vicious he's a vicious little shit yeah <laughs> So yeah, this is where, we don't know this yet, but Gabriel Byrne has gone to visit John Malkovich, and he's there to, it seems like a friendly meeting, uh, we know he, it's not a friendly meeting, uh, well I did, because I've seen this movie, uh, but he goes to talk to him, he's like, only the best for D'Artagnan, the best wine, uh, his voice, like, it's just the wrong person for this role as uh, a musketeer, because there's nothing musketeer about, about him. Well, at least Kiefer Sutherland, he played this the, this character in the Three Musketeers. He's like grizzled and fucking emo. He's he's like kind of touchy. Like he's just not a not a great person to be around. But there's also a badass element to him. Yeah, I think the reason why we got Malkovich is one. He lived in France at the time. Well, that helps. But <laughs> so one, he lived in France. <laughs> Probably easy to get him there. Yeah. Uh, two. He has a background with with costume dramas, True. period costume dramas, and, and this and is more of a costume drama than a swashbuckler, big time. Um, and three, he's he's an actor. He's, yeah, he's not like action guy. So most of his arc in the story has to do with Raul, Raul, Raul. <laughs> with his son passing and and him being upset about it, and yeah. him 
having to constantly grapple with it because he's dealing with Philippe throughout the whole movie. Um, but he has a lot of like emotional moments where he's supposed to be conveying like very subtle like grief, I guess, and he does it pretty capably. He does have a good moment where he actually breaks down. Yes, that he does have good. a very good moment when he breaks down. I did like that quite a bit. Um, but the the problem with the character is that that's all he does. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice, I think, if you had somebody who could activate like that viciousness that comes with grief too. Yeah. Where it's like sometimes you lash out at people and he he very seldom does in this movie he, i think it would have been nice if you had someone who had more fire to them because malkovich sometimes comes across as a little bit monotone well i just don't think he has the look of this period uh not to say that anybody does but he stands out the most to me like daniel day lewis can do early 20th century characters because he has that kind of look Matt Damon, I think, could play like a nice '50s. Like he has, he has the look of like that all-American, you know, white dad kind of look. Malkovich he, doesn't really have a look of a period. In no, my, he or, doesn't. Or the ones that he like in a costume drama like this. He's in an Annie Lennox music video in cost in this costume too. Really? Like, yeah. Wow. Uh, walking on broken glass. Check it out. Malkovich is front and center. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, even his wig, they tried to do something different with him, because his wig is the shitty wig. Yeah. Like, everyone else, like, they tried to make him, like, Jeremy Irons looks fabulous in this movie. He looks... He, he looks like Scar. <laughs> he looks yes, like a he, lion. Looks, he looks like Scar. <laughs> he looks like a lion. No, he, he looks magnificent. And Gerard Depardieu looks greasy as He fuck. looks greasy, yes. Like, his hair is stuck to his forehead. He's gross. Yeah. No, oh. he, he is gross, but it's intentional. Yeah. Malkovich, though, like, they have him, like, thinning in the front. And then again, it's a hair appliance. Yeah. You are putting an object on this man's head, and you chose to have to yeah. have his scalp visible through that wig. Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> because, yeah, we apparently we have it out for him and Gabe Byrne. <laughs> we want them both to have bad hair. Uh, this is where he's talking to Gabe. Uh, we don't, they're just kind of, just casually talking and fucking it's a it's a reunion of sorts yeah they're just like they haven't seen each other in a while i think it was a surprise visit i don't think he meant well gabe Byrne is showing up because he knows something that yeah. malkovich doesn't know yet yeah that's that's what i'm saying to this point we're just having a casual conversation and then raul uh comes in and he's just fucking uh no i've been called back to the front lines he asked him like oh were you out celebrating all night no doubt and he's like no i'm getting called back to the front lines he's like well that's ridiculous you've already been on the front lines why do you have to go back? <laughs> no son of mine will go back to the front lines. No. That no. is preposterous. Send it back. I don't even think he would use the word preposterous. He would find a better word to use. Uh, <laughs> he would take his time. He'd chew on that. Have I told you my theory of John Malkovich? What's Why that? he enunciates? I think he... I, I'm no, I don't think this is... I have no idea if this is true. This is just speculation. I think he might have had a stutter growing up. And one of the ways that I think he might be able to get over that is to enunciate better. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, because his speech pattern is very unique. It's very unique. Um, and it's it comes across as measured, like very calculated, but at the same time, it's like, maybe that's just how he talks. It might be. But then again, sometimes, it, I've seen him do this a couple of times, where he has like a, like a it comes across as like a holier-than-thou kind of... Uh, yeah. Where he's like... You can picture him like wearing a beret when he's when he's going on about things. Like he he, yeah. he has like a air of like. Air he reminds me. I don't know if you've ever seen the show How I Met Your Mother, but it's what Ted Mosby would have been had he not been undouched. Uh, <laughs> he kind of has the air of like somebody who was smart in high school and then went to college, and he was really, really like really into culture and very into the arts, and then he 
went abroad for a couple of months and then he really, really enjoyed his time there. He has that feel to him where he's just like, I, what, what do you, you know what the kind of person I'm talking about. I do, like, I do. I'm cultured and I'm very, very intelligent. I like to talk about poetry written by some dude you've never heard of. It makes me think of the kind of people that, I, I don't know many people like this, but it makes me think of the kind of people that uh, revise their life at a midpoint. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a certain point of time that they don't talk about. <laughs> because no, that, yeah. none of that matters. Like Mugatu and Zoolander, he's like, he came up with a piano key necktie, but then he's also this fashion yeah, guy. Yeah, it's like, no, no, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm the fashion the, guy. Yeah, I'm the fashion guy. Don't don't worry about him. Yeah, it's like, it does, you don't need to know how I got here. Yeah. Just know that I'm here. I reinvented myself. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. And you don't know who those people are because they've already reinvented themselves. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we find out uh, that he's like, yeah, uh, Sarsgaard, like he knows actually. There's a moment where uh, Leo's walking down the courtyard, and as he's walking by Christine, he's basically like, "I'm gonna fuck you." Like that's what's oh, gonna happen. Like, oh, yeah. And you can see it on his face. Uh, Sarsgaard notices notices it, so he's onto it immediately. Yeah, I actually really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. That like everyone, even Gabe Byrne knows what leo's game is yeah like there's no there's no like discovery period here like everybody knows what he's up to he's sending this guy back to the front lines hoping that he'll die or just be away long enough that he can bed down his girlfriend <laughs> yeah. and we were gonna mention sarsgaard was gonna propose to her oh, at, yes. that day uh but things came up matt lauer came in with his fountains and uh he wasn't able to do it no, he was interrupted by the pig actually <laughs> he was by the pig the hors d'oeuvres guy yeah. he's like Oh, it's about to be done. Oh no! Sorry. It, it's almost comical, but um, apparently this subplot uh, was penciled in by the the writer slash director of the film, uh, partially based on something from the Bible. Apparently, maybe you I mean you, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, um, King David and Uriah. Uh, um, I I looked up the article already, but it, basically it's a similar. It's from the Hebrew Bible, but uh, um, basically it's a very similar circumstance where Old a, Testament a, then. a a king, a person of power, had like a soldier that he he sent off to, in, with the intention of having them killed by proxy. Basically. That's so, that sounds familiar. I'm um, sure I have heard about that. It's it's fascinating to me. The only reason I bring it up is because it's something that wasn't in the original text, and yet it's a huge part of the script. It actually it's the entirety of John Malkovich's story arc, basically. I, I guess it kind of makes the movie make sense in a way. Like it doesn't detract from it. Like I I welcome it. It's a it's a it's a good story beat. It makes King Louis look like a shit heel, which is all we should be focused on for the most part. Their conclave uh, when they when they meet up, that I think that's a good moment where they have to where Jeremy Irons is like, "Listen, here's what's going to happen." Yeah. I like that. But no, um, when everybody comes clean, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, Raul isn't going to be a musketeer now. He has to go back to the front lines. And he knows he's going to die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's just 100% sure. And Malkovich has an exchange with Gabe. Gabe's like, yeah, he's totally going to do that. He's going to bang his girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Malkovich gets his little snappy snappy lines here. And he tells him, like, kissing his hair and smelling his breath. And, like, that's just a weird. But the, the, the exchange is like, you don't know what it's like to raise a son. And Gabriel Byrne... Put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Put the biggest of fucking pins in that. Put two pins in that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> if you're following along, you should know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and a major thread with D'Artagnan, Gabe Byrne, here throughout most of the movie is the the Musketeers want him in on their, their scheme that yeah. they'll, they'll come up with in a few minutes here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but he keeps saying no. Yeah, there's and there's a reason for that. <laughs> now, Gabe, I love the sound of uh, courtyard uh, horse trotting <laughs> on the cobblestone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that noise. I don't know why, but he's going back to the palace, and there is some civil unrest. Oh yeah, you know who has a good screen presence but barely says anything? Is his uh, Gabe Burns is number two, the guy with the really long head. Oh man, I hate that guy. Really, I, I hate his face. I'm drawn. I, 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 I hate it so much. I'm drawn to him when he's on screen, but he doesn't because really... his head is ten feet tall. <laughs> yeah, it's, he he looks like Rocky from uh, fucking Mask. I mean, people give Jennifer Garner shit for her fucking forehead. This guy, <laughs> this guy, fuck, fucking hell. Yeah, this guy gotta... looks like. He wishes he was Chris O'Donnell, mm-hmm. but he's like Kevin J. O'Connor mixed with Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, yes. And yes, he yes, fell yes, off yes, his yes. horse a couple times onto his face. He does resemble Kevin J. O'Connor. A little bit. And, uh, Benny and, from The Mummy, by the way. And he's distracting as all hell. <laughs> I, I think he has good presence because of that. I'm like, I, I notice him. He's very noticeable. He but has he, the best line in this whole movie. Which is at the end? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. so there's some civil unrest going. Like they're rioting because of shit, and they're starving. Yeah. Well, we're gonna fucking shoot him. And Gabe's like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna solve this. Yeah. And he's just super confident, standing, sitting upright on his horse, and like, what the fuck's the problem? And they're like, we can't eat the food that you, the king gave us, and it's rotten. It's rotten. And they're like screaming at him, and he's like, people of Paris, everything is fine. Don't worry about it. They throw the food at him. Uh, so the timing of this is interesting because. They throw one and throw the other almost immediately. He snaps one and then catches the other one. And then he, I think it's a tomato and he takes a bite of it. And he's Is like, it a yeah, tomato or an apple? I thought it was an apple for the longest time. Going back and watching it, I think it was a tomato. Uh, could be wrong. Doesn't matter. It's a rotten piece of, of fruit. It's a rotten piece of fruit because tomatoes <laughs> are a fruit. Uh, regardless. Plant uh, ovaries. <laughs> he ate some plant ovaries. He spits it out and he's like, you're right, it's rotten. I'm going to talk to the king myself. And they're like, well, that's good enough for us. Let's go home. Yeah, they just pack it up and head home. <laughs> yeah. See, this is what people did before TV. Yeah. It's just like, we're going to riot today. It's like, why? Because I'm fucking bored. I'm bored as shit. <laughs> uh, it sucks out here. I don't know what people did before the 50s. Yeah. Um, they were at war. <laughs> by the way, Kyle, I, I hate saying this. I hate bringing this up because it seems like every time I do, there's nothing to be said. Did you notice the music? Mm. <laughs> I did, and it drove me nuts because there is one song that plays pretty much when we're around the palace or when Leo is on screen. It's dun, 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 dun. it plays in the hall when they're doing the masquerade. Yeah, it's yeah. playing when he's at the palace. I hate that fucking yeah, song. It's just supposed to be like high society, like yeah. you know, palace. Palace, yeah, jaunt. theater music. Palace, yeah, it's palace. a palace jaunt. It's a palace jaunt. Now, the reason I bring up the music is it's composed by I think it's Nikki Glennie Smith. Uh, there's a hyphen in there somewhere. Um, so this fella, I, I presume it's a fella. I actually haven't confirmed that, so sorry. I'll look it up. Uh, sorry if I'm wrong, but um, they collaborated with Hans Zimmer and Harry Gregson Williams on the score for the Ro- the Rock. The Rock, um, and it shows big time. Um, so this, uh, a lot of times film scores are not done by a singular person. It's a he. It's a he. Okay. Um, so a lot of times there's like understudies or like assistants and whatnot, mm-hmm. or there's like straight up collaborations. Like the Batman Begins in the Dark Knight, it was uh, James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer. Oh. People like to point to Hans Zimmer. To yeah, he's no, the name. No, James Newton Howard was a big part of that. And 
I think it's worth pointing out because I think he's also a very good composer. But Nick Glennie Smith, uh, there there's some random electric guitar shit that happens. Oh in no, this, kidding! I didn't even notice that in this movie. That's like, yep, that's the rock. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. There's some similarities between some of the pieces of music. Um, the reason why I bring it up now is because uh, like the main theme for the Musketeers in this movie, it plays like three times in the whole movie because. As we point out, this is a drama, not uh, an action movie. The, the music in Three Musketeers Disney was great, I don't tell you that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the main theme for The Musketeers sounds virtually identical to the Navy SEALs theme from The Rock. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I, do, I realize I do notice the score a bit more now, and I actually just watched two movies uh, recently where I, the, the score was up like front and center and I noticed it. I rewatched The Terminator. I hate the score to that movie. I'm sorry. It, it sounded like Fletch. Yeah. It, it sounded like the music from Fletch almost exactly. Uh, there are times when it's farting. It's like, the bad. score farts at you. It's like electronic fart noises when he's in the police stations where it's like bop, bop, bop. I think they need to recut Terminator 1 and have whoever did the music for Terminator 2 come back and do it. Just it's the same do it. guy. It's the same guy? It's the same guy. <laughs> Thank God he got rid of that fucking keyboard. I actually think I like the score for the first one better. I, I That's the... I, I've heard that's the opinion. People really like the score. For, I just... It doesn't set the right tone for that, me. Then again, as I'm getting older, I think I like the first movie better. Yeah. I, 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 I think it comes with age. I think I should like the first one better because of what it, what it accomplished and what it was. But that second one's just too good. Like, I just love it's, the second it's one. It's like a perfect action movie in a lot of ways. And the, all the character beats are... It's structured so solidly. It's so perfect it's in brilliant. so many ways. But that first one's just... I like that it's mean. Mm-hmm. Like, it has a mean, gritty quality to it. It, it, it does. It has a totally different tone to it. But, um, but I was going to say, High Life. I definitely noticed it's obviously going to be a, like an electronic synth kind of uh, background music. But there are times where it almost does like a diegetic... Uh, non-diegetic merge it's kind of it, there's a few instances that's really interesting that's something that you should pay attention to when you're watching it if you watch it no i, I um, certainly will because you've been hyping it up i you don't <laughs> i'm not recommending high life to anybody listening to this but if you like art house it's worth your time um so yeah we we got the civil unrest the rotten food gabe uh takes the secret passage because uh as Gabriel Byrne knows, or D'Artagnan knows, that when uh, all the advisors, all eight of them are just standing outside, like, oh, he's banging a lady right now. Oh, yeah, real fucking right now. So he meets him. Uh, at, this is also where we learn that Leo's a dick. Uh, <laughs> uh, three seconds after he is done having sex with this lady, she's like, oh, we're, oh, I just love being here. Like, Let's go eat together. He's like, I actually like to eat alone. You'll be leaving in the morning. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I think you want to send another song for you at some point. Uh, especially after Titanic. So you're going to be leaving in the morning oh yeah and he, I, take, he goes through like three secret passageways here yeah there's i'm sure this exists i'm sure there's secret well, passages again it was in the disney three musketeers like the, oh yeah you're right yeah, yeah. The, the map that turns into a door like it that it, must be in the novel i or, would i would think so or at least in the actual or in the palace. actual palace yeah but. um but they hit, leo goes to this other room to go get something to eat gabe comes down there to talk to him. It's a nice, nice little exchange. He's like, yeah, you like to bang ladies, don't you? And he's like, yeah. Uh, you might want to feed your f- people because they're rioting. And this is like a moment where Leo's like actually listening to him. And he, he doesn't have the, he doesn't really have that quality about him that he would actually listen. But this is the one person he does listen to. Uh, and this is where Hugh, like, they, they solve it. He's like, you know what? I'm going to try to be a better king. So how does he do that? How does he solve this problem of the people eating rotten food? 
Uh, so Hugh Laurie, which I'm sorry, by the way, he told him to distribute anyway. Yes, uh, it was an offhand line. You would have missed it if you weren't paying attention, but he did say that. Yeah, <laughs> um, like, they'll eat it. Yeah, he he told him to do exactly. He did what he was told. He yeah. was he was a dutiful servant of the state. Yep. Um. So Hugh Laurie, with his massive powdered wig, is hanging out like just by a wall with some other dudes, and then the wall opens up, and Leo's still in like his his silken bathrobe or whatever. Postcoital, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he comes out and he's like, "Hey, fucker! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you didn't do what I said. This guy's got your job. You're to be executed. Make sure it happens. It's Bye. so quick. And he just shuts the door. <laughs> he rips his little sash off, and he's like, "You're the." He throws it to the guy. You're the new hand of the king. Execute him for distributing rotten food. And it's that quick. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, and then It's he, legitimately funny. He shuts the door and he comes back out and he's like, and the rioters? Shoot them. Like it's such a good scene. Um, I like I like that the new hand of the king like pats yeah, he's, he's like, like <laughs> there, there. And we lot. never see him again, so presumably he was killed. That was a lot to take. I mean, ho- hopefully he did like he just doesn't he's just kinda doesn't passing execute him. I don't think he's gonna watch it like, dude, we're just gonna get you out of town real quick. Like no, he dead. He's dead. He dead. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we this is we get over to Sarsgard in the front lines, and you're like tick tock, tick yeah. tock, tick tock. <laughs> uh, I I don't hate uh, Sarsgard. Um, I've seen him in two movies, and he's not a good person in both of the. Oh, I've seen him in three movies. Uh, he just has a quality about him. He has a certain uh, a typecast. He's kind of like a a, a weak little weasel. That's he's the bit. good at that. He's I, good at that. I, I don't think I've seen any of the movies that he's no, noted for. I don't, know I, what, I don't know what those are, but I've seen Orphan, I've seen Green Lantern, and I've seen uh, the most recent Magnificent Seven. I saw Boys Don't Cry, uh, The Skeleton Key, which is actually not a bad movie. Uh, it's probably bad. I just, it was a long time ago when I watched it. Uh, and I think he's awesome in uh, Black Mass. Uh, oh, the Johnny Depp movie. Yeah, I've been meaning to see that for quite a while. Oh, that's... If you don't like Johnny Depp or you don't like the movies he's been doing, that is worth your time because it's... Oh, it's, a, it's a gangster movie. You know, gangster movies for, for men but, of a certain age are but important. The, <laughs> but the makeup, that they, the makeup that they put on him to make him look more like Whitey Bulger, you actually do at times forget, like, oh, this is Johnny Depp doing this. Like, it's pretty impressive. I, I have to hand it to him. Um, so, yeah, he's like... Take this, take this note to my dad or whatever the fuck, or to Christine. Yeah, it's actually yeah. Put a pin in that because that's yeah. gonna. She's actually gonna get that note. Forty minutes from now. Forty minutes <laughs> in a fortnight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is pre Amazon, man. It takes a minute. Did he commit suicide here? Because I uh, don't know if they actually had to charge, but he's like, we're charging. It didn't look like. Well, then again, I mean, when you think of like mobility options, it's like you got horses and feet yeah okay yeah this is a good point like, like if you need to get there you're gonna have to you, run somebody's gonna have to run i mean the real attack doesn't happen from the front it happens from the, from sides, the sides yeah but somebody's got to do that diversion and, yeah you know he was put at the front so he dies he's got to run that's his job he gets over the hill eyes wide and he's dead by cannon fire he dies instantly dude. instantly it's, <laughs> it's great uh, <laughs> like, like he doesn't get Ten feet out of that trench. No, he's dead <laughs> almost immediately. Uh, <laughs> done. Uh, I, I think this director likes he likes the drama of war, like the like the actual hardy part. Because 
a big thread in We Were Soldiers is actually informing the uh, spouses yeah. that their husbands were killed in action. And we get that moment here. I don't remember Pearl Harbor at all. I couldn't tell you a single thing that happens except for the, the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I think I just knew that from history class. I have no idea. Does that come up in that movie? Uh, that movie's a love triangle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kate Beckinsale, Sean, what's his oh. fuck? Uh, he does war movies also. Ben Affleck in that movie? Yeah. Cuba Gooding is in there for the trailer. Yeah, like exclusively for the trailer. He's in there. He's, yeah. He contributes nothing. Is he a cook in that one? I think so. Hmm. <laughs> he's no Casey Ryback, uh. but, but he, he does shoot down some Japanese planes. Jeez. Um, and go woo for the trailer. Um, but yeah, that movie's terrible. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I've heard. It's um, so not worth your time. I mean, oh, did you see Michael Bay has a new movie coming out on the Netflix? Oh. Good, that's where it deserves to be. It's called Six Underground, and I have no fucking idea what it is. But Could not the, care The less. entire trailer is Ryan Reynolds and uh, Dave Franco? Yeah, Dave and, Franco. And some pretty pretty foreign ladies in a sports car driving through Italy. Yep, that's the, that's the entirety of the trailer, so I have no fucking clue what it is. A Michael Bay, Dave Franco movie? I'll pass. <laughs> You're yeah. gonna give me a Michael Bay, Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne the Rock Johnson well, again. The timing's funny because Bad Boys for Life is coming out soon. I'm gonna watch the fuck out of that. I would watch that. I'm gonna watch it. I, you know, we. I think we both have a similar relationship, and my brother too, with with Michael Bay, where it's like, you know, sometimes, 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 sometimes he just fucking works. The Painting Game is his best. Arguably, The Rock is the best. Of his movies, but I really loved Pain and Gain. Yeah, Pain and Gain is a solid fucking movie. But it's outside <laughs> of his norm, I would say. Like, but it, it's, I, it's not though. It, I think it's an example of what he actually wants to make because that movie was produced like, he he had to do favors, like he had to call in favors mm. to make that movie. Like he wanted to make that movie, and it wasn't a super high budget movie either. And but it all went to the rock. The studio was basically like. Do X number of Transformers movies, and then we'll give you some pennies. We'll give you The Rock for the weekend. Yeah, and, and thank God you made friends with Marky Mark on the set, because, you know, maybe he'll be in your movie. Oh, yeah. Just to be a buddy or something. <laughs> but, but, yeah, um, Sarsgaard dead. Yeah, he's dead. Um, oh. Christine gets a your your fiancé dead letter. He's not even a fiancé. They're not even supposed yeah, to be living he didn't together. Even, he didn't even do the deed. They're living in separate houses. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And she has a mother who's sick off screen because we never actually see her as a we human being. Out. We find out about her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Athos, Mr. Malkovich, gets the same letter. His is a decent reaction. I like the like the shock. Like he just, he just like he's just kind of like like he's gonna puke almost. Like he just like knocks over like onto the onto the counter. Yeah, like, he oh. crumbles a little bit and then he slaps the candle. He slaps the candle, which uh, tells us that he mad. I think the very next scene is Leo trying to bang Christine. I think it's 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 there might be like a quick little horse thing with uh, Jeremy Irons, but almost the next scene is him at dinner with with uh, Christine. <laughs> no, the next scene is actually Malkovich hopping up onto his horse, and we get a cool shot of him running on a water bridge. Yeah, like if I saw that bridge and I was a filmmaker, like, like that's gonna spit, be in my movie. Yeah, that's gonna be in my movie yeah. for no fucking reason, just because yeah. it looks cool. But he go he goes to the palace grounds, and. Uh, He's brought his sword. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the least, like, honestly, later Leo's like, uh, D'Artagnan, are we in the business of letting would-be assassins go? I'm like, it was John Malkovich with the sword. Did you really think he was going to get anywhere? <laughs> Seriously. He's like five foot eight and no athletic ability whatsoever. See, that's actually a thing about the casting that's like, 
the way they used the character, for the most part, he fits. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it would have been nice to have someone more vital just for that. Just for those couple scenes where he needs to be vital, where it's like, oh, fuck. Like, when he cuts loose, he's dangerous. Fucking good example, Cumberbatch in that second Star Trek movie. Like, he's uh, like he's having the back and forth with Spock. Like, you see he's really smart. He's kind of a bitch. But he fucking throws down. Well, he's also superhuman in that. Well, what I'm saying is, <laughs> as an actor, like, he actually does that, he does both of those really well. Like, he, when he actually has to get physical, it's, like, you're It's oh, very shit. convincing. It's Although, convincing. Again, though, he's, he's aided by, you know, an expert stunt team in CGI. And, yeah. I gotta say, man. Capable. That, that, that sequence where Chris Pine is punching him repeatedly is fucking hilarious. I don't even remember him punching him. So, when he first enters the film. He, like, saves Chris Pine and all the major players of the Star Trek movie. And so stuff. he can kill him later? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. try to, anyway. Yeah. But what happens is Chris Pine... I forget exactly what the dialogue exchange is, but he says something to piss off Chris Pine. And Chris Pine, because he's Captain Kirk, and he's Obviously. got the biggest cock in the universe, uh-huh. he runs up on him, he just starts slugging him in the face, and he's, like, no-selling it, just, like, taking him on the cheek. And he, he keeps hitting him to the point that he gets exhausted from punching him. Yeah. And he just doesn't react. Doesn't react. Because he's superhuman. But yeah. it's just funny watching Chris Pine, who, you know, he's a handsome guy. He's in shape. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> going to town. Why, why don't you get hurt? <laughs> I'm surprised that Joe Pesci was able to do any damage in a Scorsese movie. Have you seen him, like, kicking people? Well, like, what they should have been doing is they should have had the choreography be like, the choreographer be like, Joe. I need you to suplex this guy. It's like, why? Because you're built low to the ground. Low You're built low to the ground. you got a low center of gravity. It should be easy. I like how the, the, the stunt coordinator is a dude from Brooklyn. Yeah. Smoking on the set. I can smoke it. It's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to show you how to do a double leg takedown. It's no nah, big deal. That's not how you do it. That's not how you nah, do it. Nah. Let me finish reading the paper. i got to read the crossword. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, what, what happens, so this is where he goes to fight him. Yeah, and, and uh, D'Artagnan steps in, but not before... Mr. Malkovich, he's, he punches D'Artagnan, just like, without a word, just whack! Yeah. It's it's a kind of a weird punch, but he throws a knife yeah. into a musketeer's shoulder. Uh, you're not allowed to do that. No, he's, you can't do that! He's, a, he's attacking the cops to get yes, to the mayor. He's yeah. attacking the cops. And the chief, the commissioner, basically. Yeah. He punched Commissioner he com- Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. He punched, he punched Commissioner Gordon, yeah. and he threw a knife in Bullock. Uh, this is a, this is a murderable, like, this isn't an execution offense, dude. Yeah, you can't do that. The reason I bring it up is because the end of the scene is him calling D'Artagnan a traitor. Mm-hmm. Like, understandably so, because D'Artagnan is standing between him and vengeance, basically. Remember those two pins. Yeah. And he extracts the knife from this fella's shoulder. That's pretty like, good. 1662, I don't think that guy's going to live. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Disease, infection, well, he's gone. Jared well, uh, uh, Porthos has kidney stones at one point, And I'm like, damn. I'm like, how did they get rid of that? I'm like, you didn't. You I just don't passed think, them. I don't think you do anything other than deal with if it. If you can't break him up with radiation, hope you pass him. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, now we get to the, uh, the Batman dining hall. Uh, could you yeah. pass the, the salt? salt? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they're sitting at a table, and Leo, like, Christine's sitting there, she's all dolled up. You can tell she's, she's removed from the situation. Like, she's just, she's obviously thinking about her dead boyfriend. And Leo's just like, I'm gonna have sex with you, what are you looking so glum for? And he, he's, his move is to try, he's playing consoling, like, he's not actually consoling her, he's playing consoling. Um, I think he does bed her, though. Uh, she tries to put up a fight, but... Right quick. 
she's in the process of grieving and she's in an emotional weak spot she so. does the oh i can't yeah for like two seconds and but. he starts like getting her course oh, off yeah. as fast as yeah, possible i was like man are you sure you don't want to like call in a servant to help you with that because that might take a minute you need some scissors dude yeah <laughs> fuck that <laughs> he's practiced in taking off a corset yeah that actually would have been hilarious just like zip. <laughs> just, just like, like one pull <laughs> just like <laughs> and just the draft just pops off <laughs> There's a friends that happens. Uh, uh, to, it's pretty to funny. To quote Morticia Adams, you've done this before. <laughs> um, one detail, I, I, I'm sorry, I need to point out here is when they're eating, he comes up, he walks the long length of the table to, to like stand over her and like console her and say like, like I want you to express yourself openly with me. Yeah. <laughs> but then he like starts walking backwards away from her. He like locks <laughs> he like locks eyes with her as he's walking back to his seat like ten feet away. Yeah. And then then he does this hand gesture. He's just mm-hmm. like and then I was like I actually wrote in my notes, what the fuck was that hand gesture? And then more wine. A wine person just goes Zoop. Yeah. <laughs> and he sh- they fill it to the top. Oh yeah. Yeah. To go, the go, 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 go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was like Oh my god, he's got a team. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit, these guys have practiced these routines. Uh, we get a Porthos moment here, because I said Porthos, always more Porthos. But yes. I can't remember what's happening here. Uh, we're meeting up in a tomb. Uh, so Aramis has called a meeting of the Musketeers. The Conclave, yes. Yes. In a tomb. Yes. Uh, so Porthos and Aramis were in a tomb, and like you said, we don't really know what the fuck is happening. No. We the audience. I, that this is what it was because Porthos was like you're meeting in a tomb. <laughs> I mean, so it's a, it's worth pointing out. It's like why are we, why are we here? Yeah. Um, and then Otho shows up, mm-hmm. and then D'Artagnan shows up. So it we very quickly piece together. Oh, this is like a secret meeting of the Justice League. So we get the four Musketeers all meeting up. Yeah, and so Aramis. Uh, who very quickly establishes himself as the cool guy, basically. Yeah. He's, he's Man, Jeremy Irons is very cool. He is very cool. He's very cool. He, he probably saw himself with that wig, and he was just like, oh, I'm just going to be he is the, the coolest. greatest human being. He has some really good lines in <laughs> he here. He really does. And he, like I said, he showed up. Yeah. Like, he showed the fuck up for this movie. And he reveals that uh, he clues them in on the fact that he was asked by the king, by King Louis, to assassinate the yeah. Jesuit, Jesuit leader. Yeah. Um, and then he also throws in there that, by the way, I am the Jesuit leader. I am the Jesuit leader. Uh, so you can see my problem here. <laughs> so now D'Artagnan's in a tough spot because he's got one friend that wants to kill the king. And now we have another friend who is trying to kill, like, basically they're trying to assassinate the king. Um, and then Porthos is just like, I'm hungover. Like, I just got finished, <laughs> finished banging the lady. Uh He's pretty. He doesn't carry the weight. Like, I'll do whatever. Yeah, Porthos is just along for the ride, and like I like that. There's a, a running gag throughout the whole movie that he's, he's kind of missing his glory days. Mm-hmm. It's like he he understands that like, the the in between time, like his downtime of just like betting gals and getting boozed all the time. It's like there has to be something in between that. Yeah. For him to truly be alive, and a lot of that had to do with musketeering and like swashbuckling. He doesn't get to do much of that in this movie. <laughs> his his comment when they get the man, the Iron Mask, is like, "I was no, worthless. It was worthless. There was no action. It was awful." <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. It's a story I wish I had gotten more of. Like he said, more Porthos. Um, but yeah, uh, Gabe Byrne. He obviously has a conflict here because it's his sole sworn duty to protect the fucking king. Yeah, and, uh, we're coming up with a plan to 
kill and or replace the king yeah uh he doesn't specify how yeah we know how it's gonna happen because we saw the trailer we saw the trailer <laughs> um yeah but they're in uh, immediately malkovich is in uh gabe's like i can't i can't let this happen like i like not i can't be a part of this obviously uh but this is where uh, malkovich had a good line he's like like um d'artagnan's like i swore to protect the king and he's like yes but you're you're protecting a person we were protecting an idea like yeah. uh we were protecting a king not this king how do you mention this is all very dark knight-esque yeah a little bit it's very thematic yeah. we're talking in very broad concepts here mm-hmm. and, it, and to follow that up uh, d'artagnan even throws out there uh, i fight for the belief that every man can be better yeah of course you which do. he brings up multiple times in this movie because apparently that's all he has to offer as a character it the motivate like it it seems so fucking goody two shoes of him. They're like, what the fuck is his problem? Like, yeah. why is he so hard up on this dude? He sucks. This king sucks. It's like, hey, Batman, why you gotta be so Batman? Why you gotta be so Batman? <laughs> they're like, all right, fine. He leaves. I do like the the next time one of us sees each other, one of us will die. It's the best Malkovich line because it's the most Malkovich line. He should have looked directly into the camera and said, put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. <laughs> he would find a way to like get the timing of that line funky um we get a we get a shot of the iron mask being made yeah which was a little bit confusing it being is. as one of the first things we saw in this movie was the man in the iron mask yeah in a dungeon of some sort so we know that the mask is already on said man wearing said mask so why are we making a mask? we're about to get into the most illogical part of the film very much so uh, <laughs> i hope you caught up on it but yeah so Iron Mask is being made. Gabe has an interaction. He's in his study. Yeah. And Leo comes in. This is where he's like, uh, motherfucker, how are you going to let your friend come in here and try to kill me and let him go? And he's like, I don't think he was actually a threat. If he was actually a threat, I would have done something. And Leo gives him a look like, you are on thin fucking ice, my friend. Like, yeah, I'm watching you. He kind of does the backing out a little bit, too. He backs out of the room. Uh, but that's basically it. He's just like, I know that you let him go, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, but then we get the the man in the iron mask looking at the moon, which is yeah, it, whatever. Yeah, we get, oof. Man, some of the matte paintings and or backdrops in there, this movie are kind of raggedy. There's one in particular I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's a, like, you that's think a, it's a background, but you're like, oh, that's a matte painting. You're like, oh, I can totally see that's a matte painting. Yeah, what is this, the, 1954? This one's a matte painting. But when whenever we're in the dungeon, whenever we're in that shitty little pool mm-hmm. that's supposed to be a dungeon, that backdrop, oof, yeah, ooh, I've seen tons of Godzilla movies that look way better than that. <laughs> I'm talking, sorry. Talking about this just makes me want to watch the three musket the the Disney Three Musketeers again, which I'm going to do before November's over. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> One hundred percent is gonna happen. Yeah, I, I might have to like slot that in as like one of my go-to movies because I had a lot of fun with that. It's it's a movie. Uh, but yeah, we get a shit matte painting of a spire like, a, like along the shore. I liked I liked that matte painting. I knew it was a matte painting, and maybe it's because I'm watching old sci-fi movies right now. I liked that matte painting. I think I don't like it because I saw it in HD. Oh, that like makes on VHS. I watched it on a little comu- on a little computer oh, yeah, screen. Yeah, that'll help a yeah. lot immensely. In fact, um. Yeah. On VHS or something, you wouldn't notice. No, you wouldn't. It, notice. it would look fine, but like on a on a 1080p display. <laughs> See, the, the thing about the uh, about like the movies from the 50s is like we weren't trying to fool anybody. We're like it's more like a play. Like you know, this is not actually happening in the background. This isn't real. Enough. We're not trying to make this look that real. You know, this is a background, but that makes it more charming. In my oh yeah, opinion. no, I mean, 
an effect doesn't have to always like be invisible to be the best mm-hmm. like like some matte paintings usually you, you see them and you don't even notice them which means it was done well but you know this is just an example of i've seen the same technique just done much better but uh so yeah we are the, the three musketeers are headed to this prison which i believe this is there's there's some kind of French offshore prison. Uh, I think the Count of Monte Cristo takes place there. I think Napoleon was sent there in exile, maybe. There's a lot of reference to the Bastille. The Bastille. But I don't know if that's this location. Okay. Um, I know we're there at the climax of the movie, but I don't know if this is that. Oh uh, yeah, Jeremy Irons is playing an Italian priest. Um, I was getting I was getting my wires crossed when watching this. Uh, I was like, all right, here comes uh, Michael Wincott. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's the fucking, that's Count of Monte Cristo. Damn it. I'm, yeah, damn it. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Irons as the Italian priest is pretty funny. Um, but this was actually pointed out in the review. Uh, Roger Ebert gave this like two stars, like two and a half stars. He did not give this a good review. Uh, but this was one of the problems that he had with the movie. He's like, how the fuck is he going to carry an 180-pound dude up the stairs, and then another dude down the stairs. Spoiler alert, we're doing a switch here. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of this doesn't make sense. I'm like, how would they know what the real mask looked like? Who's the dude in the other mask? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know how they they piece that together. Like you... Jeremy Irons. Oh yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, he knew all that. That's right. Up he until was there. up until this point, what we've been shown, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Until later, it's not told to us later that's how right. he knows the things that he knows. Uh, there's more. I have. There's a few other problems that I have with this. Leaps and logic in a movie. <gasps> what? <laughs> well, now this makes more sense. Why would he need a disguise if he was a part of the original original thing? They would know who he is. But I'm like, why? No, would he's he... a public figure. He's a priest who has f- audiences with the king. He's a retired musketeer who's famous for deposing but the king. Like, this isn't fuck. This is in the twentieth century. Like we don't have photographs or like who? How would these two prison dudes know who he is? If he's just like if he's in raggedy clothes and acting like a priest, like they're not gonna know who he is. I mean that hair, dude. <laughs> but the prosthetic, like the the actual makeup, yeah, that doesn't make no. Any that makes sense. no goddamn. zero sense. I mean, what you take. Uh, cornmeal or something and and smear it on your face or like plaster and no because it's like it's gooey when you like john dillinger escaped from prison by making a fake gun out of old potato peel uh that's one thing this is like hollywood escape from alcatraz i think had some shenanigans too well i mean there's shenanigans in the count of monte cristo but that made a little more sense (laughs) uh but yeah who's the dead dude that they put in this mask is that i I was asking myself that because I was like, I feel bad for that dude. They set him on fire. Yeah, they set him on <laughs> like, fire. It's like, that's really disrespectful to whoever that guy is. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Jeremy Irons has you know a priest's robe, and he's he looks obese. Like, he looks huge. He looks like Friar Tuck, basically, yeah. Yeah, but like 100 pounds heavier. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> and the reason for this is that he has a man, like, 69ing him under under his robe dude, he at one point you look at this i'm like he has a dude under his like there's a person under there because the legs are like sticking out the back it looks like austin powers when he's on mini me's like <laughs> mini me's shoulders and you can just see uh, it just doesn't match up at all yeah but the, he's carrying an entire human being yeah 
complete with iron mask yeah. under his robe. That's heavy. And the reason why they let him in is that he pretends he's an Italian priest and he's there to receive the confessions of the prisoner. Yeah. So I guess this is a regular thing that happens like monthly or something. Do they modulate his voice? Did you notice this when he's talking to uh, Leo and there's a... Leo, Leo is modulated. Here's my confession. Like his, his voice was noticeably deep. Oh yeah. No, yeah. They, I wrote that exact word in my... Okay. Uh, in my notes it there, like a... I think I think it's meant to like conceal the fact, like the big yeah. reveal that we all we already all know. know. If you read the description, well, again, if you saw any advertising for this movie, you already know. Yeah. So I don't know what the point of that was, but you know, whatever. It's a small detail. He only has a couple of lines. Well, I guess at this point we could assume that the guy in the iron mask is like maybe he looks similar or like the point is is we're going to put the king into the iron mask so nobody can see who it actually is yeah so i guess at this point we don't necessarily know it's his twin brother and if we hear leo's voice we might put those together i don't know yeah it didn't it didn't it seemed a little little off it, it didn't seem to make sense but yeah they get uh i do like this exchange uh jeremy this is kind of funny jeremy iron is like they, he says it's the plague. Like, he just started to pray, and he just keeled over. And he's like, I think it's the plague. And they're like, oh, the plague, oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, he quickly sets them on fire, and they're like, like, don't fucking touch me if you brought the plague in here. And, like, yeah, he's like he actually kind of needs help going down the stairs. <laughs> and they're like, get the fuck off me. <laughs> uh, he gets into the boat, uh, and they get off to shore. And this is where, like, Jeremy Irons pulls off the prosthetics and like, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't guys. know about that. <laughs> um, they managed to get him back to the safe house and uh, get this mask off. And dude, when they take the mask off, it it's a good reveal because it it yeah the hair is like all like he's got long hair. He looks like an X Man. <laughs> he looks. I'm like the smell. He has to smell awful. Yeah. No, I I do like the reveal. Um, they take their time with it, and his hair is grown long, and he has a beard, but his hair is like matted against his face, mm -hmm. and which would make sense, being as it you know it grew out, but it couldn't escape the bounds of the mask. So yeah. It's just like plastered against his face. Um, <laughs> the one thing that's really disgusting, if you think about what it would mean to wear an iron mask, though, is like things like uh, rust, <laughs> well, and, and the fact that people sweat, and you know, there's a there's a vent and we're on the shore so there's a lot of sea breeze Moisture, coming yeah. in and stuff like his face would probably be rot <laughs> well there's a f uh leo does a few good things as far as his performance of the guy in the iron mask uh he when he goes to drink water i didn't think about like the, the, tink tink well the, it doesn't go in so he has to like <laughs> like dump it over so that it goes into the mask and he can drink the water and that's something like a muscle memory yeah, he has a party foul with a with a glass of water that's handed him. His posture, too, when he gets out of the mask, because he's had, a, would say, a good 10 pounds of iron on his head, at least. Yeah. Just weighing it down, so his, like, his posture's just off. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, when he's in the actual, uh, he has good posture when he's actually in the, like, in the dungeon or in his jail cell. Like, he's, he, he does a pretty good job sitting upright, but when he's sitting if down. If I remember it, the mask comes down on his neck a little bit, so yeah. it, like, braces his... It makes him Batman, <laughs> where he can't quite turn his head. Um, so it probably forces his neck to be like straight vertical. Imagine how good that had to feel, though, to get that off. He'd been. We find out he's been in the mask for six years. Yeah, he, that's. <laughs> I thought he'd always had it on, but apparently he he tells him like, look, they they they're talking to him and they're like, I have. Like, you have no idea why you were put in it? Ugh, Kyle. Huh. Imagine having the iron mask put on and they don't get the timing right of like your growth pattern. 
Oh. And it's like compressing your skull. Ew. Ew. That would suck. Because that shit works. He said that he was he was raised like it doesn't make sense that he would be in, you wouldn't think he'd be intelligent but he's he's put together pretty well. He's uh, fairly articulate. Yeah, he, he I guess he grew up on a on a farm. Uh, it was just a lady and a priest that were there, and then just one day they put him in the mask and threw him in a jail cell. No yeah. no reason. Yeah, um, he didn't. He said he didn't have friends. He just had like attendants, and then a man in black. Yeah, um, which I I. I, something pinged in my brain because I, I distinctly remember, uh, I think it was Athos mentioning that they used to wear black. Yeah. The Musketeers uniforms used to be black. And when they like, when they put them on, they're black. Yeah. Later on, that's confirmed yeah. when they put on their uniforms. So it was like, ah, I was already thinking like, ah, maybe, Con- maybe a Musketeer grabbed him. Continuity, I needed to ask you about that. What so it? the Musketeers uniforms are blue. They're not as blue as the, the ones from the Disney one. It's a fucking Disney movie. Um, <laughs> But is D'Artagnan wearing a black one, or is he wearing a blue one? I think he's wearing a blue one, except at the end. Okay, so yeah. it doesn't make sense when they do their, uh, they're trying to get Philippe back out of jail. They're wearing their black uniform, Which would stand out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what I was confused but about. at the same time, you need to remember they weren't planning to win. <laughs> like, yeah, they, that's true. There, there was a belief that we are going to fail. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is where we learned that the masked Leo's name is Philippe. Phil. Yeah, Phil. <laughs> Phil and Lou. <laughs> uh, this is where Porthos is just kind of like, just kind of sad. Yeah, he's like, hanging out under a tree. Uh, there was no danger. Uh, I was worthless. I was worthless. Uh, <laughs> I did nothing. <laughs> he didn't. He just sat in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Jeremy Irons tries to treat like cheer him up and he's like you hear the birds and like the sounds of the wilderness you should be on top of the world and then a bird bird shits on him yeah. shits on him so more more poop more pee more farts i have athos is such a dick here um <laughs> is this in the kitchen i think so there there there's an ex- they have a very catty talk here well, they <laughs> he have and jeremy irons. so jeremy irons actually tells them him the they have the exchange in the kitchen, but they also, before, they talk about, like, what the plan is. When they get Philippe out of his clothes, they get him all shaved and ready to go. And, like, the plan is, is we're going to swap these two dudes out in a month when this masquerade is going to happen. And John Malkovich is like, that's your fucking plan? <laughs> He's like, you're out of your mind. And poor those are just like, oh, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, the big thing that Malkovich brings up here is that he was expecting, like, revolution. Like, he wanted to fight. Yeah. That's what he expected, and he was. I I think his line of line of reasoning was, "We're gonna overthrow the king and tell him this is the rightful heir. Like this is the person who should be on the throne." Yeah, um, I, that was an interesting theme throughout the movie because I I guess that differs radically from the source text. Oh, does it? Yeah, uh, apparently Louis is redeemed. Oh, yeah. Um, again, he seems, radically. You have to say he seems unredeemable, but um, yeah, it, I thought it was an interesting thing because when you actually think about it. It makes some sense because running a fucking country and and not only a country but a country at war that's dealing with starvation among the populace that's a turbulent situation it's not easy do you really just want to throw a random guy in there to, to lead things that doesn't know anything yeah somebody that doesn't know anything uh i think he mentions like this is a guy that was like he can be disgruntled and if you put him in a position of power that 
he might realize that he's well again this is a guy who's been shackled in a dungeon with a mask on his face he might have some issues some mental health problems he might be angry about some things and he might lash out he might lash out the very people that put him exactly so like in a lot of ways it's like i would be really wary of of just swapping a guy in like like that that's scary <laughs> but yeah i'm guessing there's, there's a lot of ways that could go wrong but the idea is is that we can shape him into what we think a good ruler would be but that's also sketch as fuck because yeah. you have a, a whole bunch of old fuckers most of whom are retired that are just deciding they know better yeah right <laughs> like that's that's kind of bold i don't know why everybody's complaining about having a job and buying a house it was easy when we were young yeah i mean that's exactly what it is it's a bunch of old retired guys who just decide that i don't like the way things are going god damn it we should do things our way who i believe are on social security at this point <laughs> uh yeah uh fucking uh jeremy irons has maids not made maids yeah and uh we get titties for the sake of titties and yes. I, I, I actually really like uh, porthos he's like he's like not even that brings me pleasure anymore and he's like oh, yeah he just says that and then like yeah the the boobs are there and he's like I don't even like yeah it. he just like glances and he's like yeah well I, i've seen i've seen him well he has kidney stones will learn erectile dysfunction and a drinking problem mm. like yeah dude that's not you're not gonna get a boner I'm going but... to hang myself as soon as I'm sober. As soon as I'm sober. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, we get the kidney stones, Phil's origins. Uh, we get... Somebody sends an iron mask to Louie. Yeah. Which is a dumb... I feel like that's a dumb move. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what the point of that was. Although, um, I don't think that was in the plan. Uh, because, remember, they set that random guy on fire. Mm-hmm. And they took the mask from that corpse. So there's no way that they could have prevented that. Yeah. And obviously the people that work at the prison are going to make sure that the guy who put that guy there knows oh, about it. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't that. it wasn't like they sent him a message or something. But like, no, it was just my happenstance. Louis doesn't know who he is, though, does he? He does. Oh, he does? He does. Um, so, yeah, the so we get, again, Gabe and the Queen Mother, uh, French and then whatever, <laughs> who could care. Yeah, they've had at least one meeting earlier in the movie, oh. and it was tense but we don't really know why but they have a history yeah and they smooch at the chapel no less because she never leaves there she never leaves (laughs) they smooch it's very awkward and she says a very uh romantic french thing that i'm sure the writer slash director was like oh fuck yes yes (laughs) if i don't kiss you you'll die anyway (laughs) 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 and uh yeah it's very apparent that d'artagnan has a thing for the queen mother who lives at the chapel and then we Porthos. get the best scene in the movie it's like three minutes of just this is good stuff this is the best scene so oh wine <laughs> so jeremy irons just comes into frame <laughs> screaming about more wine uh meanwhile uh malkovich has been helping philippe with his studies uh he's showing him how to fence a little bit yeah. he's teaching him to read or whatever uh but he comes in he's like there's no way he's going to be ready to do this and uh i do love the arrogance too. He's like, oh no, you'll be fine. You'll be totally fine. No, 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 you're not having any problems. It's fine. It's like it's like somebody talking to an engineer, and the engineer's like, we can't build the bridge right there. It's gonna collapse. Oh, you'll figure out a way to do it. And like, no, 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 no. It's not gonna work. Oh no, 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 it's fine. You'll 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 figure it out. But more wine. He's just yelling more wine. <laughs> and I'm like, I was wondering like, who the 
fuck is he yelling at? I'm like, who who else is he yelling at Porthos? I'm like, go fuck yourself. Get your own wine. That's what I thought at first. But no, he's yelling for his attendants. The 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 maids. The plow maids. Yeah, the plow maids. Who are being plowed. (laughs) In in hay, by the way. Oof. I chafing. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like the logistics, and the, it doesn't. You gotta, seem... You've got to make sure you got a tight seal before you get to work there. Yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> those is bedding down three ladies, and I do. It's it's nice the exchange. He's like, maybe you just need a little more time. Like maybe you need me to help you. <laughs> and he's like, no, ladies, it's not going to work. <laughs> and I do like how he just gets up and leaves the barn naked, and then. Malkovich and Jeremy Irons are still having the conversation, and you you want to take over? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we get Gerard Depardieu's butt. Yeah. Um, he just, like, walks into the frame, and there's a barn that he's just, like, casually strolling out to. And this is just, this is just a wonderful shot. Yeah. It's a, it's a heavyset, greasy-ass Frenchman wearing fucking riding boots yeah. and nothing else. Nothing else. And he just, like, walks center frame, and he's got his gut hanging out, leading the way. <laughs> and he walks out to the barn, and the other two musketeers, they kind of, like, see him through the window, and they're like, what? <laughs> What's Mal- going on? Malkovich's line is like, why is Porthos going to the barn naked? About to hang himself, I should think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Malkovich is like... We're gonna stop him, and he's like, "Well, no, <laughs> no, 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 it's okay." I mean, it's it's been building up to this. He knows. He's like he he walks in. So I realize now that um, uh, Aramis has set this up. Yes. He knows that he's gonna hang himself. So when Porthos walks into the barn, he's like, "Oh, a sign from God." There's just a rope hanging <laughs> from the ceiling. And did you notice what he does? He, it's it's just a rope hanging. It doesn't have a noose on it. And he picks it up, and it like flops over like his flaccid dick. Uh, <laughs> it's, no, I didn't notice that. It's kind of funny because he picks it up and there's enough <laughs> hanging. That, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, he makes uh, he makes the noose. Yeah. And does he tell him he's like, "No, I saw the beam." So it, no, it it comes right after but like before he slips the noose around his neck he's like goodbye to worthless portos <laughs> then he he jumps and the beam the beam <laughs> so fucking the, funny the beam breaks he falls onto his back and the entire barn comes down it's so good like it's a large barn too and he's like he's like I, you saw the beam and he's like you like saw the the foundation beam he's like well, I'm a genius not an engineer yeah it's <laughs> a very good line delivered with aplomb. It's good. And then uh, Porthos gets up and he's pissed and he's tried, He's like tries to choke him and he's just like, you saw the beam! beam! <laughs> but like how he gets up, he's like still naked. It's, it's a good scene. Yeah, and Jeremy Irons gives him some clothes because good God. I, well, the, the back is fine. The front, I don't I don't need to know. <laughs> I do like the exchange. He's like, well, you quit moping around. Like this was like to teach him a lesson. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll get my shit together. <laughs> Uh, we get a, a fucking, uh, I love this, Athos is working on a new uh, uh, sun crush. Uh, with, he's <sighs> yes, trying to replace he his sun crush with, uh, with Philippe. Um, this is where I think we get kind of the emotional moment where he asks about his, like, Philippe's under a lot of pressure at this point. He's like, four dudes broke him out of jail. Like, listen, you have to learn all this shit because you're going to be king in a month. Yeah, it, and, it flares up a few times, yeah. but this is where we get some really raggedy green screen of Leo looking up at the fucking stars he's looking at the moon yeah he's... and the symbolism here is that it's like he was struggling to see the moon before now yeah. he can see it clear as day big as life and twice as ugly without the mask and stuff so it's like the music's going fucking nuts here it's not terribly effective oh they see him in the mask up in yeah. the room um and 
Athos goes up there to chat with him, see what's up, because, you know, we took that off of you, yeah. right? And I guess it's like his security blanket now, where it's like he's so used to it that it's hard for him to be without it. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, we get a little, we get a little talk at a, at a creek, at a creek, mm-hmm. and we're just talking about some shit. And Philippe actually brings up something that I'm glad he brought up because it's it's an element of the script that's like if it wasn't there, I'd be thinking about it a yeah. lot. And he's still kind of on the fence about like, should I say yes to what they're asking me to do? And a big reason why is like everybody hates louis yeah why would i want to become the person that everyone hates and in order to become him i need to be hated like in order to actually slip into that role i need to be be a hateful hate hated person yeah and i was like yeah that actually makes a lot of sense like if you're going to assume someone's identity you don't want to have it be the identity of a person that nobody likes and that's what malkovich is putting him to this little boot camp where he's like no you don't apologize for anything you're, yeah you're eloquent and you're a fucking dickhead just remember those two things yeah and then we get a training montage i have it written down training montage <laughs> it, it's straight up just a training montage yeah it's like dancing sword fighting horse riding walking yeah he's working on that sun crush he's doing all the things he did with the sun yeah. <laughs> uh, just needed to like slip in a shot of him like sniffing his, his hair, hair. <laughs> it's like what did that add to anything kissing his hair and smelling his breath <laughs> the weirdest fucking thing i'm sorry uh but christine finally gets the letter yeah she's got some mixed feelings on this whole banging the king thing this is the this was the good ex- this is like it's kind of great like she is not not feeling it tonight and he could not care less at this point she's like her head's to the yeah. side like looking away and he's just she going is to town disengaged oh, the kissing on the neck I'm like, oh god it was really uncomfortable think of how many takes man i uh, think it's uncomfortable for you to yeah. watch imagine being that gal um so yeah she she her heart's not in it she got that letter from raul and she feels bad um and the, the exchange here is like I feel guilty, and uh, we'll both burn in hell for our sins. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You'll burn in hell, because I am king ordained by God. Like By God! God. <laughs> and it's a good like it's a good little line. I'm like, ooh, you little shit. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, he's... I've been saying it for a while now. I think that's what Leo's talent is, is being a... Be a shitheel. Being a shitheel. <laughs> he's very good at it. He's not as big of a piece of shit in the movie we're going to do next week, but he starts off like a little no, piece of pe- shit. Petulant. Is the word there we go. Like he's a petulant little shit. He makes it look like a lot of fun at Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, yeah, but again, even on paper, that role is that that's perfect. Yeah. Like when he's throwing a tantrum when after he's married. Yeah. Like, like fuck it, you. Yeah. When he's in <laughs> so bed, good. I was like, yeah, that's perfect. He's a spoiled little brat, petulant fucking, shit. Fucking love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we we find out that the. Uh, uh, Porthos, I think Porthos and Aramis are leaving town, like, yeah, impro- like this, impromptu. This shot was really cool. Yeah, that's I, I, so I thought, too. This shot was really cool, because basically, um, Jeremy Irons has all the energy in the world in this movie. Like, yeah. he, he's just, like, bouncing off the walls, and, like, his eyes are alight. Like, mm-hmm. It's interesting, because, like, when you think the Three Musketeers, you think, like, a bunch of, like, superheroes, basically. A bunch of guys who exist to, like, do deeds of justice and whatnot. But at this point in their careers post musketeering and stuff it seems like he's the only one who's still got that spark yeah like and he's like he does. Try, he's like trying to rally everyone you can tell he's in, he's like in his element so d'artagnan does by default like he has to well he's smoldering he's not like fiery though holier mcdowell yeah he, yeah but 
Jeremy Irons though, like he's he's like in his element. Like he, mm. he's like I'm back. Yeah, <laughs> and I love this I shit. Feel great. I feel great. That's why he's trying to motivate. Yeah, uh, he's trying Portos. to get every, he's trying to get his boys back back on the team. Hold up, hold up. Um, but this this one shot is just like him just pr- like rattling off all this dialogue to Athos who he's leaving with Philippe. While well, he's hanging out of a carriage. Yeah, and like it, it, it's a tracking shot. Yeah. We, we follow him from the house onto a carriage. He just like casually hops onto a moving carriage that goes around a fountain and just leaves. And it's like, wow, that was a lot of blocking and a lot of dialogue that he all he had to do just like on off the cuff. Just real fast, and it it's very effective. It's very well done. He goes to a meeting, and they find out that they're moving up the the masquerade because he because the king is unhappy with his mistress, so they're doing it immediately. Yeah, we, basically, we're trying to use this masquerade ball as like the perfect situation in which to do yeah. the do the switch. Yeah, because everybody's gonna have masks on. They're gonna try to get the switch. Uh, one of my favorite lines because of what happens afterwards is Porthos is like, "I cannot be ready unless my tailors work all night." And so he leaves to go to his tailors. Who are his tailors? Uh, these would be some ladies of the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at a brothel. At a brothel, yes. Th- those were his tailors. Was, uh, yeah, I love this. He he walks into the brothel and he's like, Lady, everybody out, all the guys, get out of here. Except for the ladies. Except for the ladies. <laughs> he's like, ladies, I need you to finish tailoring my suit. And, the, and I like the thing with the guy, hey, old man, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, old man? <laughs> he, he gets into like... We get a little bit of a buckle swash, uh, not much. He slugs a dude, he slug- and then he disarms a man and... Nearly it- sodomizes him with a gun. I don't think it's nearly. <laughs> I think he gets it up enough to get his point across. Not He doesn't lose the gun, yeah. but he definitely gets his point across. Yeah, I don't think he kept that gun, though. I like this. Did you notice, like, after that, he's like, lady. Like, he's like, I love life. I love you. Like, he feels good. It's he, because he just punched a dude. He just and, punched and, a dude, and, yeah. you know, sodomized a man with a pistol. And there's <laughs> the plan is coming together. Yeah, it's feeling good. Porthos has found his reason to live. He likes being under pressure he likes it he likes that action he's all about that action boss uh okay so i guess we get to the masquerade um which Uh, just before where where Athos has his little breakdown i think um oh yeah yeah it basically we brought this up earlier but um Athos has a bit more training with philippe and he's explaining to him that he's trying to like hammer home the point that if you're to be louis you need to have an air of the sense that you you care for nothing but yourself. Yeah. You're, you're a complete shit heel. I need you to do this in order for this plan to work. And like he even has a line here where he's like, I need to keep in mind that when a glass is handed to you, it's handed to you by a servant, and you want nothing to do with the servant, so you need to make sure to make as little physical contact with that glass as possible to show it an air of disdain and disgust. Yeah. Um, and he keeps dropping the glass. Uh, but Philippe, like snaps back at him for a second it's like the first time he's kind of not rude but it's like the first time he tries to defend himself he's stressed and he's channeling his stress yeah and he brings up uh athos's son mm-hmm. and athos like his demeanor changes it's really good yeah and like mid-sentence and i like the timing of this because it just comes like mm-hmm. it, it's it's not instantaneous like he's he keeps trying to sp- like speak back with him and then just he kind of shuts his eyes real hard puts his hands up and he's like and you can't bring up my son yeah. and he just like leaves the room it's really good i, I this is a it's good very moment. good it's it look, very good just the way his demeanor changes when he says it he's just like he's like yeah and uh, just like how he he exits very quickly yeah. where it's like i can't deal with this bye <laughs> yeah. it's really good it's a very 
man move. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, like, man move. it's like you're asking me to confront things that I can't confront right now. So if you've ever seen Eyes Wide Shut, uh, <laughs> we're having a, a masquerade. So I'm like, there's no way this isn't ending in an orgy. This isn't going to be a Caligula orgy afterwards. That's Society. why. <laughs> He's like, I'm upset with my mistress. He's like, masks? That equals orgy, especially in high society. I, I, I know it, but uh, I mean, just otherwise, just get Leo running up and down the aisles, just like ripping bodices, just like how does he? Everybody out! All the men must leave. All the men must leave. So yeah, we're gonna do the switcheroo here. He's got himself a new squeeze. They're they're going around doing their stupid little dance and. The boys are all there, and they've all got little iron masks. Just not, not the outside part, just the actual mask part. And they keep like showing it to him, like, like sneaking it. Like, is he actually seeing it? Is he? Is he? I thought it was hallucinations, but no, they're, they they actually did. That? Oh, did you not see that? No. So they have a shot of the three of them. They have. They all three have their iron masks. That's oh. why they're moving around doing that. Okay. They're they're trying to mess with. Well, him. it it worked. Yeah, <laughs> it worked really well. And you're like, he's like, I'm a mask. I distinctly saw masks. He's like. Dude, everybody's wearing a mask. <laughs> Lots of people's girlfriends are in there. Um, so yeah, uh, he just can't take it anymore. He ends up taking the secret passage. Yeah, people's constitutions were not what they are today. Yeah. Like he's just, oh. It's a ghost! Yeah, he basically almost dies. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. Uh, so yeah, they get he gets into his like... His little room, and then uh, I I love it because of his voice. I love the the line that Jeremy Irons gets. It's Judgment Day. It's Judgment Punch. Day. It's <laughs> such a scar. He sounds like Scar. It's it's very uh, it's very trailer momenty. Oh, very much. It's Judgment Day. Punch knocks him out one punch. This is one of those movies that added to the the idea when I was a child that when I'm older I could knock people out with one punch. That's just what <laughs> happens when you become a that's man. Only, that's only in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. Um, or or d- Blazing Saddles. Mongo <laughs> punching that horse. <laughs> I haven't seen Blazing Saddles. Oh. I got to the first five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching this. Oh, man. Why? I just, it, it was not. I don't like westerns. And a, even a parody, I just couldn't, I couldn't get oh, to it. Oh, I adore that movie. It's, I've, it's great. I've heard it's very popular. No, I, I love that movie. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's Judgment Day Punch. Makes me, makes me think of, like, if this movie came out a few years later. I have a feeling they would have used the Pirates of the Caribbean theme to advertise. <laughs> oh, I can see that. <laughs> to make you think it's an action movie. When did Pirates, the first Pirates of the Caribbean come out? Like 2002? Yeah, 2001. I think wow. 2001 to 3. Probably 3. Wow. Um, I didn't think about how old those movies are. But yeah, either that or they would have used the theme from, uh, what, the the Phantom. <laughs> the, the Billy Zane Phantom. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that movie has a great score, by the way. Really? Is there anything else good about it? Treat Williams. Ooh. Yeah, okay. He plays the bad guy. And you and just sold me on the Phantom. <laughs> sold. Uh, but yeah, uh, we make the switch. Uh, they switch clothing. So Louis is now uh, wearing Philippe's peasant garb, and Philippe is wearing Louis's like, Roman emperor outfit. Whatever it is. It's definitely Roman influenced. I think it's supposed to be costume-ish. So yeah, he's no, like... it's, it's, a, it's a costume ball, yeah. so it makes sense, but... Um, Philippe goes back to the hall, and uh, the big test here is, like, can he sell himself to a crowd? I do like this one little shot of, um, 
I think I think maybe Malchus is like be a good king or something like that. But then like Sun Crush got away. He's oh, like watching. It's even him. worse than that, Kyle. What's he say? You have the heart of a That's king. That's what it is. You have the heart of a king. I'm like it's such a dumb line. I like, adore you. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, Sun Crush gets away, and yeah, this is where. Have you noticed? There's a few instances where we we're positioning the mask in a, in a way. So when they're taking off the mask, the Iron Mask, they actually pulled up super duper slow so we can go over the fire to get that trailer shot oh yeah yeah uh we also have here when he's standing there they've got a position to where it it's got to be like way up in front of him but they have his eyes sticking out so you can see like the him kind of nervous did you notice that yeah um, um they they do a lot to play up the difference in the body language between the two different performances because mm -hmm. uh we as the viewers have have spent enough time with both louis and philippe to the point that it's like yeah, the performance is complete on both ends to the point that's like, yes, they're wearing the same clothes. It's played by the same guy. Yeah. But just by the way he carries himself, it's like, yeah, that's Philippe. He the, looks very nervous. This is especially like, yeah, this scene where he walks down, he sits, he's like, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was very good. Because yeah. that was that was like one of the core tip, one of the pro tips that John Malkovich gave him was like, just nod your head, smile. And if, if ever you're at a loss, just tell people to continue <laughs> just say continue and it even takes them a second when anything happens it's like oh i oh. remember to do that yeah oh, remember to do that yeah yeah like when they hand him a drink he like pauses for a second he's like do i want that away with you away with <laughs> he you. just like it does a hand gesture <laughs> um gabriel Byrne is having none of this oh yeah immediately he's, yeah he smells something bad before like even when he walks in the room he's like that's not him and the lady, like, one lady's, like, they're doing the dance, and she falls down in front of him. And he, because he's a nice guy, he immediately goes to pick her up, and they're like, oh! Yeah, this was very confusing. <laughs> so this heavy set woman, like, collapses in front of him, and he hops out of his seat to help her up, and, like, the music goes, Rup! Rup! <laughs> Stop! <laughs> and everybody's looking at him, and they're going, oh! He like, helped her. It's like, uh, is the king really that much of a shit heel that if he does anything to help anyone, we're all suspicious? I think the crowd reacted less when the Joker pops in in the Dark Knight with a gunshot. <laughs> Someone was still eating, like, oh, what was that? Yeah, <laughs> take a second. This one, though, is just like, a gunshot in a penthouse, people are less, less interested. <laughs> um, so yeah, the... Queen Mom shows up. This is so fucking boring, dude. This is annoying. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah, like, she, she finally left the chapel, and she shows up, and, man, this band must be just, like, furious. Yeah. Because they have to stop and start and stop and start, like, every two That's minutes at, paid the, for. At, at this fucking party. I mean, they could be working in a field. I think that you don't get to complain as a musician. Like, dude, we got the fuck, we got the palace gig, dude. This I is mean, fucking awesome. I mean, like, it could be worse. They could be the Titanic band. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I mean, it could be wedding dance. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, but yeah, the, these poor guys have to start and stop every time someone of note walks into the room, which is every two seconds. Yeah. Uh, Queen Mom shows up, and she sits down next to Philippe, and she has like a little whisper conversation with him. Hey, baby. Yeah, basically she lets him know that she's in on the con. Yeah. And he's like kind of wigging out a little bit because like, that's my mom. Yeah. And she's kind of hot. <laughs> Bitch, she's the one that put you in the mask. Yeah, he, he has, you know, it, at, in his in his situation, it's like he doesn't have mixed emotions about it, but he definitely has like that, like, almost naive, like, childlike quality about him where it's like he's thrilled to see, like, his mom. I think... 
I mean, it, I guess they're lucky that that's how it turned because he could just be in there like banging his head up against the wall, which like, he I'm does keep earlier that, in the movie. I'm gonna kill all these motherfuckers one day. Just Kyle, making plans. Kyle, is that called the Alabama drill? What's that? It's aka the helmet test. Like, I, I I've heard this is actually a thing. I saw it on King of the Hill for the first time. Oh, basically, we're, we're, there's an episode about the football team, like the high, the middle school football team. <laughs> of course, it's they the get middle it, school. Yeah, they get, yeah Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they they get a new coach oh. who is actually the old coach from from the dad's era. Oh, because <laughs> they so want to they want to harden up the team. That's not the good. middle school team. You're gonna kill those kids. Yeah. So. Like, the one kid's like, ah, something's wrong with my helmet. And the coach is like, yeah, do the helmet test. <laughs> and he demonstrates. He puts the helmet on. He bends over like a pachycephalosaurus. And he runs headfirst oh into the wall. Oh, my God. And uh, I think I've heard it before from, like, a guy who played college football. That's barbaric. That I think it's called, like, the Alabama drill or something, where there actually is a helmet test where they make you do that. They can't do that now. <laughs> I can tell you that much. The NFL but, is under a lot of scrutiny. So. Oh, yeah, but... But the joke I'm trying to make here yeah. is that Leo, towards the beginning of this movie, we see him like rattling his head. It's like maybe he got bored one day and he did the Alabama drill with that iron mask. I mean, you're going crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, six years in that fucking thing. Jeez. Yeah, because he has he knows what life was like before this, so that's probably more interesting. That probably makes it worse. So there's a switcheroo. Gabe's not having the switcheroo, and uh, I guess they're found out. Uh, Gabe like sends his people down there because they're trying to get Louie out. This is a little we get just a glimpse of buckle swashing. Yeah, what what causes everything to go to shit is uh well actually Philippe makes the exact same mistake twice. Yeah. Um he's uh, Christine walks in on the party mm-hmm. and she's she's not drunk, but she's acting drunk. She's drunk <laughs> off of rage and heartbreak. Yeah, she she wrote a letter to like the frontline commander um, posing as the king because you could do that back in the day. I guess so. <laughs> and uh, the frontline commander confirmed with her that it's like, yeah, Raul was sent to the front, pretty much with the intention of having him get killed. So she's flipping out, she's in tears, and Philippe hops off his throne and like comes up close to her and basically apologizes. And Gabe Burns like, <laughs> that ain't Louis. <laughs> no. like, as soon as she said something, he would have. She goes, murderer. He would have been like, out, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. and I. Uh, Cut to uh, Gabe Byrne rallying the guards, and uh, all he, of our all of our musketeer boys are now in the a dun- dungeon yeah. set that looks suspiciously like the other dungeon set. Yeah, it's the same. It's dungeon. the same set. Um, and this is where we get that horrendous backdrop. This th- that is the worst one. Yes. Yeah. Beyond the grating, there's a backdrop that's supposed to be like a night sky, and oh my god, yeah, it's it looks, a bad one. It looks awful. You can tell it is four feet. From away yeah. it is four feet away from you yeah <laughs> and we get a little scuffle here the first touch just a little, like, little, little taste just a little taste tiny taste of buckles that get swashed but we have to say uh i forgot to mention at the top like the marketing for the i remember this the marketing for this clearly like this was supposed to be a swashbuckler oh like, yeah no was... it was marketed as like an action adventure movie yeah not it, a costume drama not a costume drama um so yeah they, they get down there um what ends up happening is there's a stand like a Mexican standoff basically. We get an Gabe doesn't know that they're brothers. He's yeah. the only one that doesn't know this. Yes. Um did we found out that we don't know that he's the father yet. No. Okay. So he basically is like if you take my king, I'm going to take yours. So yeah. we have to 
we had to switch them back really quick. But once Louie gets back into the back to his people, he's like, "Get him! Get him, motherfucker! Get, get the get the imposter!" And they end up getting uh, Philippe. And then I do like them just like floating back on the boat, like shit. It's a rowboat, so it's... I mean, any mistake you make and run away from, you're gonna have to watch for the next ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> I do. I, I wanted to ask you about this. So when he confronts. Uh, when Louis confronts Gabe about um, Port or uh, Athos coming, he's like, uh, uh, "Aramis and Porthos are gone too. Like, did they know that these guys all travel together? Because it's weird that he would point out that they were gone too, uh, insinuating that there was some kind of plan. Like, I, I think it it mostly just has to deal with their their history together. Like, I guess like you so. can't think of one without thinking of the other. Okay. I, I I don't know what the details are there, but yeah, it's kind of funky. But yeah, Louis is mad. Yeah, and this is where we get the confrontation between Louis and Philippe, and we get a mom shove and a brother bitch slap. Very much. That was a good slap. Yeah. That was a, good slap. <laughs> that was a very that was a salty slap, man. Um, and this is where we, we get that line that you mentioned. That, where is it? Oh, it's his vo- his so voice squeaky. cracks so bad. It's bad. It's bad, but well, it's also good. <laughs> it's a squeaky one in Titanic, too, I believe. I think you're right. I can't remember what line. Yeah, he's got to have a screechy in there at some point. Um, but yeah, this is where like Louis is shown to be utterly irredeemable. Like, because D'Artagnan's like pleading with him, like yeah. he's your brother, spare him. Yeah, there may be complicated reasons as to why I'm pleading with you right now. So, Gabe, <laughs> so the reason why Gabe has been so adamant about protecting the king is that he knows that Louis is his son. That's why he's been up there. But now he didn't realize. He thought it was just a double. Greatest double ever, by the way. Yeah, for fucking real. So, <laughs> I'm like... And they're like, they're brothers. He's like, motherfuck. Like, he's like, no. God damn it. I totally would have been okay with this. Otherwise, he's my other son. But yeah, the mom knew about it. He's pretty upset with her. I'm surprised he didn't have her killed, honestly. Um, that actually would have been funny. If, like... Oh, for the hell. No, Leo, Leo slaps Philippe. Like Gabe looks at the mom and slaps her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone's getting a taste tonight. Uh, so yeah, he the Philippe's like, please, please don't put me back in the mask. And like, dude, don't, don't put me back in the mask. You just guaranteed you're gonna die in that mask by asking him not I think, to. I think the most Leo sounding line he has in this whole movie is when they're when they're in the dungeon mm-hmm. and they're and they're like holding him down. And, and the musketeers are leaving. He's Athos or Athos. Yeah. Athos. I was like, oh, that's Leo. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, Leo. that's totally Jack on the Titanic. Uh, so yeah, Rose. 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 Athos. <laughs> Robert De Niro to beat the shit out of you again. Um, so yeah, the screechy voice yell. Um, Christine like, commits suicide. Said, Everybody departs. Uh, we get a. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not accurate? Yes. Oh man, so it's yeah. It's accurate. <laughs> so <laughs> I always love that uh, that noise that she makes. Um, so I, I do like Gabriel Byrne knows immediately. Uh, he goes up to he goes to the like what the fuck is happening in that room? And uh, I like how Leo is holding his robe over like he's like a busty lady that doesn't want to t- he's like Christine's room he's holding it like hold, like keeping his bosom from being yeah. seen but modesty yeah he, Christine's room uh, she's left her jewelry to her her sister which I don't think she's gonna get that no um, I think that was a gift Todd um, so yeah she hung herself and I do like uh, how he goes back down he's like what was that and he just opens up his door and did you, did you catch what Leo says 
get rid of it. Get rid of it. Yeah. Not get rid of her. Get rid of get it. Get rid of it. Um, actually, it's funny. I wrote in my notes that Leo has two good moments uh, that both end with something being slammed. <laughs> uh, the first is when he when the Iron Mask arrives in his study, and he like puts the mask yeah. on. And then there's a sound cue where it's like a whoosh, where he takes it off, and then he slams the box shut, and then cut. It's great. Great timing. And then this one, they get rid of it, and they slams the fucking window. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah! He, Slam! He does have a comedic moment at the end of this movie. I, I personally love, but we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah. so we get uh, Tina Hunger stuff. Now we have a last-ditch effort. Like, we have to do... We have to get the swap back. We have to... Because they're being hunted. They're like, we have to still make this plan work. Uh, but now we have D'Artagnan on our side. Yeah, uh, D'Artagnan's on board now. Uh, he leaves a rose at the chapel because that's the only place you can find the Queen Mother. Uh, he leaves a rose for her. And uh, all the boys, they get together back at the tomb. And uh, just so happens that Aramis kept every- everyone's, not just his, but everyone's old uniforms, mm-hmm. the, the black musketeer uniforms. And uh, we get the sense here, like the movie's trying to communicate to us this this is turning into a suicide mission. Kinda, yeah. Where it's like, this is, you know, the the last ride of the musketeers or something like that not quite <laughs> not quite um but we break into the prison and uh the theme music flares up again plays back to back but uh basically we we break into the prison um by having porthos and aramis like put athos in rags and pretend he's a prisoner yeah they're just like they're like whatever take him in Never mind the fact that your uniforms are 10 years out of yeah, date. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it, it's, it's, an old, it's night. They probably can't tell. It's an old cold show, but it's, it checks out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they get into the prison. And uh, they come. <laughs> there's this weird little exchange where there is a man wearing a musketeer's uniform that is in, in Philippe's cell. Yeah. They're trying to get the key, and he so, points to his ear. So that's the dude that I think uh, Malkovich fucked up. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That, I had the same thought. Like, that must like, who be the, is that? But why was he in jail? Yeah, why my, is he in the cell? It's the drunk tank, it must be. Or maybe he's... He might be... So, I think that Louis figured they would try to do this. So, I think he's in there. D'Artagnan leaves them a letter, say, like, spelling out to them, like, the timetable's moving up. Like, something bad's gonna happen. So, you guys... If you're gonna make a move, you gotta make your move now. They don't even know at that point that he's going to show up. He does. Yeah. Um, he joins them in the prison, and like soldiers are massing at yeah. every end of the prison. This they, is a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. It's a trap. They free Philippe. He's. They don't have the means to remove the mask, so poor Leo has to be in this goofy mask during this whole action scene. I hate this fucking line. I don't. Uh, I wear the mask. The mask doesn't wear me. Like yeah. fucking stupid. You, you, you can. Stuff that in a sack. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, bro. Um, uh, uh, even worse, I think, though. Malkovich, we feared the mask would destroy you. Uh, this movie wraps up terribly. Uh, it would have been funny if Leo just gave him a look and just like, huh? what the fuck? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> those crickets? Do you guys hear those? You're not my real dad. <laughs> I'm not, not going to be your son crush. Um, uh, but yeah, we are boxed in. We try every exit in the prison. There are exactly two as far as i know and we're, we're boxed in <laughs> i love this is the leo line so leo's got all of his boys down at the end they've all got sm- uh, do you remember there's marketing for pocahontas where uh the cartoon where john smith is behind a waterfall and he's got his like uh what's the oh the it's not a fuse it's a it's a wick yeah the, the, fuse, <laughs> the slow burning thing yeah uh, i just remember he's like 
like blowing on it so it'll shoot faster. But basically, all their wicks are burning. Yeah. At the other end, and this is where I like Leo's like, come out and you won't be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good. You will all, you will all get a swift execution. But he's gonna shoot them all. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny that we keep bringing up Star Wars. This is a real stormtrooper esque problem we've got because they've got guns on these guys. And yeah. The the final battle comes in stages where the first one is like they send a whole bunch of musketeers with swords down this narrow corridor. This is bad. This isn't even good swashbuckling. The the prelude to the swashbuckling is pretty cool. I like when they they march out from behind cover and they throw their hats. Yeah, that was that was pretty fucking that was good. badass. Like that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the sword fighting is pretty garbage. It's not good. Um, but yeah, the the second stanza of the fight is we all we're all like taking cover and it's like hmm we have no way out of the situation and they go back and forth like talking strategy and like Aramis points out that's like these guys idolize us you D'Artagnan train them and Porthos is like we should just charge them yeah <laughs> it's They're... like they'll they'll be in awe of us to the point that they either won't fire or they'll miss yeah and oh they miss as fuck yeah what happens Kyle <laughs> <laughs> that's just super fucking smoky uh, they bah, 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 bah. a couple of them get capped in the legs. Yeah, but um, they're still standing at the end of it. I wasn't entirely certain if the musketeer guys did it on. Missed on they missed on purpose. Like they look away when mm-hmm. they fire, so they're firing like just aimlessly. The the guy you hate. He has the best line in the movie. Go for it. Magnificent valor. Magnificent, magnificent valor. Magnificent father. It's yeah. Like, oh my God. He just like he needs new pants. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like you can't wear those again, buddy. Okay. So, <laughs> do you want to wrap us up here? To tell us what happens. Uh. So yeah. Uh. The the charge sequence is very cool in concept. Concept. Um, in execution, it's it's the shots are cluttered. Uh, the editing's not all that smooth. And I'm sorry, but as good as these actors are, as action guys. Not one of them is all that great. I mean, this makes me think of the Mask of Zorro. The bad guy in the Mask of Zorro at the end. Do you remember when he comes in to start sword fighting? Which one? The, the Monte, like oh, the, the main mech. Yeah, like, the Spanish one. He comes in and starts fucking getting, like, uh, he's from Lethal Weapon 3, I remember. But, yeah. <laughs> he, like, he gets right into it. It's it's really good. Yeah, and he, was, he, and, he and Anthony Hopkins have a good little scrap. It's good. Um... <laughs> Anthony Hopkins stuntman in the in the first first sequence was really good, uh, not so much the Anthony Hopkins part. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't Anthony Hopkins. Well, the, I mean, the, calling things back to the Three Musketeers. This movie sorely needed a Michael Wincott. Yeah, it needed like Leo's a good. He's a very good bad guy, but you need you need another. You need a right hand man. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, it's like every right-hand man he has is sympathetic. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So, yes, yeah, Hugh, Hugh Laurie is a punt, but he's also Hugh Laurie, so yeah. you're just happy to see him. He's dead. He's dead. And then the captain of the guard, the man with the five, six, seven, eight head, yeah. uh, he, right. he he's on the musketeer's side. Like, he's not a threat to anyone. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a weird lingering, like bad slow motion shot of him, like at being held at sword point. That I think was supposed to point out that like he's important. It's like, no, he's not. I don't care. No, he's not important. <laughs> but yeah, we needed a Michael Wincott. We needed a guy of Gisborne. We needed a sheriff of Nottingham yeah. to be that that fucker that like is maybe like all in on loyalty to the king you needed an extension of the bad guy but in this movie it was gabriel well, Byrne. there's a reason why goldfinger has odd job because you need a physical threat to to actually act as an appendage to the yeah. villain 
Random task. Yeah, uh, ran- random task. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't realize that Gabriel Byrne is that person in the movie. He is, but he's, he's not. But he changes sides yeah. at the critical moment when we finally have an opportunity for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, you need you need Rochefort. You need yeah, that. you need Rochefort yeah. to step in there and you know give us something. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, that would have been kind of cool, where you have a situation where there's like dissent among the musketeers, and like there's one guy or like one like small group among them that's like fuck the king said kill him rochefort would have fit in perfectly into this movie because he's already done it like three times <laughs> <laughs> like he would have been perfect like you could have gotten him it wouldn't have been no, difficult M- michael wincott probably like every day on the set was like hey randall uh, you, you got a room you got room on the set for, uh, for an old cowboy no you're canadian <laughs> quit calling me he probably just hates canadians <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, we, we the smoke clears. Uh, our our musketeers walk through the smoke. They're like hobbling. Uh, and, <laughs> Jesus. And then uh, Louis breaks ranks and he comes at Philippe with a with a knife. He tries to do a downward stab. And then D'Artagnan slips in between them and gets it right in the back, right between the shoulder blades. Yeah, Louis tries to stab Philippe. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Louis tries to stab Philippe. Yeah. D'Artagnan gets stabbed. And then he's on the ground, like, collapsed, and he stops Philippe from choking out Louis. Yeah. Like, he, he's about to kill him. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, you know, Louis, Louis may be well taken care of, but I don't think he's a physical specimen. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio at this point has the body of an 11-year-old. Like he's, He still does. I, yeah, even a Wolf of Wall Street, like, he's just never he's, worked out a day in his life. He's pretty soft. Yeah. Um, but in that movie, it actually he has a little pot belly, and it fits, it fits perfect for that character. Yeah, it's like he's a man of excess. Why would he be jacked? It makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, D'Artagnan's like, no, don't kill your brother. Please don't kill your brother. And he has a really bad line oh, here when he's on his back. Do you want to say it, Kyle? Oh no, you do, please. He says, "All my life, this is the death that I have always wanted." And he's like, what? 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 You Di- want to get stabbed by your son? <laughs> Pre- protecting the king. And that's what he did, was he protected the king. <sighs> yeah. Yes. It doesn't make sense. Like, you really have to, like, wait a minute. Wait, huh? <laughs> you really have to do the fucking... No, I mean, that's wait. what I wrote in my notes, huh? <laughs> wait, you always wanted to die for your twin son that you didn't know about? Oh, you mean because he was going to be the actual... He should be the king. Okay, I get what you're trying to do now. Yeah. Bad timing. Yeah, he has a good line with Philippe before the charge, though, where he's like, I never knew you existed, and I never felt pride as a father until this moment. It's like, that's a hell of a diss to your son that you've been secretly <laughs> raising. Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, he didn't do so well. Yeah, he, he could have done better. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, he dies, and then... <laughs> Note my name for the captain of the guard. Ugly Zod. Face. Ugly face helps to switch the kings. Uh, so basically yeah. they come out from behind cover and the captain of the guard helps them do the switch of the two brothers. And then uh, all the musketeers kneel before Philippe, who is now dressed up as Louis. Yeah. And uh, Louis declares the musketeers his advisors yeah. to, to like all the guards that are there. So like they're officially like government people now. Yeah. Fuck. They just... They just took over France, just I'm like that. so going to have a glass of red wine tonight and watch the Three Musketeers movie. <laughs> it's so going to happen. Uh, and then, yeah, we cut to the cemetery. D'Artagnan is buried. By the way, the headstone is... It, it has the Iron Mask, like, carved into it. Yeah. Like, the symbol of the Iron Mask is carved on this poor man's grave. Like, what's the story behind that? Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, though, all it would take is some idiot to go up there and it's like, huh, what's up with that? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Philippe actually directly asks Athos to be his his surrogate like daddy. Yeah, <laughs> he's like you like I've really enjoyed you, hey Athos. <laughs> can you be my dad? Can you be my dad? Like that's what I've always. I like how he doesn't even say anything though. He's just like yeah. He just like gives him a nod, like just a casual like sure. Whatever. When you've got the wind in your eye, you got the wind in your eye uh, in your eyesight. You don't you don't gloat. You're just like fuck yes, we got this. <laughs> We got it. We got a new son crush. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, the film concludes with Jeremy Irons delivering some narration, basically saying that uh, I think he mentions that Louis is spared. Like, they, they do let him out of prison and he lives a decent life or something. That's nice of him. Yeah, and, I mean, that makes some sense. Yeah. I mean, he's no longer allowed to be king, but yeah, he li- he he's, he's not, like, rotting in the prison. Yeah. Which is nice, actually. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and uh, apparently Philippe did a bang-up job. He was the... The greatest, the greatest king, yeah. Yeah, the greatest ruler in the history of France. I think this is some historical fiction here, but I don't know. Maybe Ma- Macron would probably be very upset. <laughs> um, but yeah, I counted there at least at least six one for alls and all for ones. Yeah, <laughs> in this movie, uh, they're yeah. It's, I mean, the movie's over at this point. Um, yeah, this movie's just uh, it has a, it has a few moments here and there where it's entertaining, but for the most part, it's just dull. Yeah, uh, I'm curious. Why did you pick this? I wanted to I wanted to rewatch it, and uh, I just kind of wanted to I wanted to get your your take on it because like sometimes when I, this is one of those movies I watched as a kid and I didn't really like. I didn't know what a bad movie was or a movie I didn't like. I just didn't want to rewatch it. Yeah. And I wanted to get your insight on it because I know you hadn't seen it. I'm like, it, a movie marketed as an action movie that has almost no action in it. And one of the things was that the choices of the director for the characters, like you have all these French people and nobody's doing a French accent except for Porthos and the extras that well, are I, I think that speaks to the time in which the movie was made mm-hmm. where international audience wasn't wasn't the selling point we aren't we're this is an american film and as far as leo's career is concerned like he can do no wrong at this point like oh yeah you could put him in anything and people would go see it but i feel like this could have easily been a misstep because the movie that comes next uh it comes out maybe this the beach might the beach is what we're covering next week um which i think is an entirely different kind of film um and it it's good, and I think it's a good Leo performance, but this was still kind of when he was in that gray area of, like, I don't know, he's, like, a chick actor? like. Well, I think that there was a lot of pressure to treat him as such, because mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, Titanic, this, because it's a costume drama, inevitably there's going to be the assumption that it's, like, targeted at a more female audience. Yeah. Um, so I think there was, like, maybe some pressure to pigeonhole him, like, like typecast him in, in those kinds of roles. But it's, like he can do other things it just took us a little while to realize that like yeah. it took a while basically for martin scorsese to, to say, figure out yeah, yeah, yeah. No hey shit. kid you want to come work for me yeah actually uh <laughs> the beach is 2000 the depart is 2002 so it was just right around the corner uh and i think the beach is the one that got him to where he is now i think that was his turning point uh this one i just this was one i, I enjoyed as i, I I didn't enjoy it as a kid, but I enjoyed like the Gerard Depardieu part of it. And we'd already done Three Musketeers. I'm like, I kind of want to see what he thinks about this one. Well, I mean, it, I I think it's a dull movie in a yeah. lot of ways. I, some of the production values do bother me. Like, I'm sorry, that dungeon set was pitiful. Mm-hmm. Like, no good. <laughs> I just <laughs> and I've... and when we do actually get to the action stuff. Which again, we got one of the guys who composed The Rock yeah. to compose our action theme. Yeah. The action is not living up to the music. 
Um, it, it's just, I, I can't help but mention again, like, The Adventures of Robin Hood, mm-hmm. starring Mr. Errol Flynn, was the first swashbuckling movie I saw when I was very young. You have high standards. And also, even, even like, the Disney Robin Hood, mm-hmm. that that's a very good action-adventure movie. Yeah. Like, it's animated, but it's, Still it's Robin Hood. It's got bows and arrows and sword fights. It's like, this is great. I figured this movie would trigger you. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted <laughs> It didn't to... trigger me. It's just like, I, I, 90s movies in particular are very fun to revisit for guys in our age range because mm. it, it it puts you in that place. Like, I rem- the marketing aspect of things is actually how I remember a lot of movies from that period because I was I was around I yeah. was conscious I I noticed these things so I remember the marketing for this movie and I also remember being like 11 years old and being contractually obligated as a hetero 11-year-old male to to hate Leonardo DiCaprio Exactly yeah <laughs> Like I can look back now on Titanic, and I love that movie. It's excellent. The beach was that movie for me. I remember seeing the marketing. My like, oh god, no, that it was stupid. marketed as like Leo's so hot. It's <laughs> so not what you're expecting. And, and you know, in the year 2000, being a young man, it's just like I don't want to watch that. Like yeah. that doesn't look like it's made for me. I figured this movie would make for a fun conversation because I'm like, you're gonna have problems with it. And you're gonna point out things that I didn't even realize I had problems. with. I didn't with. really have major problems with it. There's just a lot of funky little details yeah. in there that are. It, it, yeah, it just it's not a tight. It's not a tight. It's not a tight movie. No. Um, it. I think it needed to figure out what it was. Um, also like. It doesn't. It's not a direct connection to it, but there was a Mickey Mouse like short movie I used to watch a lot. I was, it was on like one of the tapes my family had. It was The Prince and the Popper. I know that one. Yeah, it was a good one. It's fun. It, it. The only similarity is that it deals with like a double, like yeah. a Kagemusha type situation. I don't think they're actually brothers in it. I think they just look alike. Gotcha. But again, it was a much more exciting movie, and yeah. it was like twenty minutes long and starred Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. So like for me, it's like. I wanted it to be not what it was. And what I got was just kind of like, okay. Whatever. (laughs) Also, it doesn't help that it's a Three Musketeers story. And, I mean, even as a child, like, knowing nothing about the Three Musketeers, like, pretend that the Disney movie didn't exist. We all know the image of three guys with swords. Yeah. There's an expectation that those swords will be put to use. Yeah. On the regular. <laughs> yeah. I think the trailer for The Musketeer was better than this. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's a movie and a half, dude. Dude, have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, that is a mess. <laughs> Maybe we should just cover all these. Maybe we should just do Musketeer movies, because that movie, the the marketing for that, the big... Was sell- brilliant. The selling point was that we got a choreographer all the way from China. <laughs> China? <laughs> I think Tim Roth's the bad guy in that one. Oh, he has some fun. I like that. Yeah, I could Tim try Roth that. with a sword. I'll try it out. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Have well, you seen him with Liam Neeson? With Neeson's pieces? No, I haven't. Oh, it's one of the better sword fights in American film history. For in the Musketeer? No, no. no oh, no, 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 no. no, no. Uh, Rob Roy? Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't watched Rob Roy. I've been meaning to for a long time. Is it still on Prime? If it's still on Prime, I might give that. A- I don't know, but it, the sword fight. Holy shit, the climactic sword battle. Tim Roth versus Liam Neeson. It's we're, excellent. We're going to have to do a sword fight month. Just just the sword fight month. Not, not necessarily swashbucklers. Sword fights. Fucking yes. Fucking yes. Fuck yes. All right, let's, <laughs> let's wrap up here. Next week is The Beach. Looking forward to that one. Yep, directed by Danny Boyle. Yep. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Yeah.